<laughs> All right, we are we are live. Um, good morning, listeners. Uh, welcome. Uh, now I have to practice. Thor Gerdur, Olaf Stotter. Yes. And Merete Mortensen. Yes. Oh, I got through that one. <laughs> you made it. An, an Icelandic name. Uh, I had to spell it in the uh, the normal way because if you spell it in, in Icelandic, there's a couple of uh, letters I really don't understand. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. We learned these letters in school. Almost. Yeah, we did. Old yeah. Norse. We had to read yeah. also. Yeah, old Norse. Yeah, you don't learn them in the Netherlands, like unfortunately. Well, although we, I, I got all the or, or old uh, Norse sagas. We got them in school too. Snorra. No, Snorra. Like Thor and Odin and all these uh, the Edda. Mm. What are they called? Oh, about the about the gods yes. instead of the Vikings. Yes. 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 Learning about the. Oh, there's another saga as well. Yeah, the real saga. <laughs> <laughs> the real saga, yeah. What actually happened? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> cool. Not the fairy tales. <laughs> no, not the fairy tales. No, we just we just got the fairy tales. Anyways, I'll do a small introduction about you. I wrote it all down from uh, from your Wikipedia page. No, actually yeah. from the from the invitation for the show uh, at the Demon's Mouth. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Thor Gerdud is born in nineteen eighty five. Lives and works in Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, she graduated with a, bac- uh, with a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the Iceland uh, Academy of the Arts in 2009 and received a Master of Fine Arts from the Glasgow School of Art in 2013. Her practice is concerned with ideas and definitions of identity and place in the field of systems we use to understand the natural world. Uh, she's the director of the Living Art Museum um, and in 2013 she established the Biennale Art Project now you have to help me with the name. Stadir. Places yeah. in uh, in the West Fjords of Iceland with uh, with fellow artist Eva Islaivsdotter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we got through that too. Now we're free to go. Uh, welcome to Oslo. Thank you. Have you been here before? I've been here twice before. Yes, always for uh, projects and exhibitions. Yeah. I think the first one was in, um, that was five years ago. For uh, Gallery 69 in Kronelokka. Yeah. And we also, that was with Gallery Krimo. And we participated as well in the Stockholm, what's it called? uh, Is that there? Yeah, Art Fair Supermarket. Supermarket, yeah. yeah. Mm. So we came here right after Supermarket. Yeah. And uh, then I was in a group show, that was a group show, and then I was in a group show in Sound of Mu in October 2012. Yeah. Didn't Sound, Sound of Mu close now? Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. They were about, we heard that we were going to be the last exhibition there. Yeah. The show was called Fun Titled, and it was the beginning of a collab- collaboration, and we didn't really know how we could collaborate because we didn't have anything in common <laughs> so we were really hard trying to find a meeting point yeah did you manage yeah the meeting point became a publication yeah called uh, words don't come easy and we just published uh, a couple of months ago and yeah. i brought some copies here as well so uh Arla nice. Silvo, she's going yeah. to distribute them as well so they're going to be available somewhere in yeah. Oslo as well 
Cool. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. So now you're here for the show at Demon's Mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you invited her, Maritta, mm-hmm. to do a to do a show now. Yeah. So it's gonna be exciting. Really looking forward to it. Huh? Me too. Um. Uh, yeah, we have to warm up a bit. So. Uh, yeah. We have six hours ahead of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we have I, to break the record every time. Every time, that'd be <laughs> terrible. Well, no, last time we didn't break the record either, which was fine. Uh, they they find their natural natural time. Yeah. So that was it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it was a great people. pleasure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we'll do it again real soon. Yes. And we're back. <laughs> Yeah. No, so um, uh, I got sent some some text because uh, uh, I don't know your work that well. I just only mm-hmm. saw like snippets of what Maretta sent me and, and stuff like that. So, and I read the text. Uh, this archaeological, archaeological, archaeology text. Archaeology. Yeah. Well, like dabblers, dabblers archaeology. Very amateurish. Yeah, yeah. You you are an amateur archaeologist, archaeologist, archaeologist. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I used to watch a lot of Indiana Jones as a kid. No joke. <laughs> um, uh, no, I have a I have a friend, uh, Gisli, who is archaeologist, and uh, I he invited me to come and survey or assist during a dig, an excavation, like a couple of excavations up north last summer and uh, I came and stayed there just for a few days but I was able to kind of get an idea of how an excavation is done, Mm -hmm. the process Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting. Um, I think it's called Mödan in Norwegian, like middens, it's basically trash, Mm. old trash. So we can study history through the layers of trash, for yeah. example, uh, next to where farms used to be and or like the remains of farms. And uh, during those digs, uh, they just they found plastic objects in the topsoil, like yeah. the newest material yeah. excavated. And <coughs> I, that's that kind of. Uh, I guess it shouldn't be surprising, it's 2015, but yeah. still it kind of struck me that uh, at this point archaeologists are taking into account these sort of artificial material that are very abstract, like fractions of mm. of objects that mm. they don't know what was, you know, was it a plastic toy shovel or mm. was it part of uh, a bucket? We don't really know when plastic, you know, came to Iceland. Probably much later <laughs> than, than the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, so uh, during an excavation, they, the, I mean, everything goes into the report. Yeah. Like the grey report, uh, like an unpublished field work report. So. The National Museum of Iceland, they have uh, registered quite a lot of these plastic unknown objects, but they haven't gone so far as taking the step 
into documenting them and including mm. them on their online visual database. Yeah. Which is a really interesting uh, thing called Sarpur. That means like a, a bag that you collect things in. So over 50 museums in Iceland, including the Living Art Museum, yeah. uses this online database to show what they have in their collection. Yeah. So there's an open access to... Okay. Yeah. Um, so all the, all the museums are connected mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, also the contemporary museums, so, so to say, and they yeah. they make use of this database. Huh? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's really nice. Yeah. So you can like instantly become part of art history if you have any works in the collection. Yeah. Um, so I think because of this project, um, a collab- more of a collaboration started with the National Museum. They really wanted to see more into their archives, see what object they had registered and kept, um, and see their plastic collection, their modern artifacts. Um, but that was not such an easy process, and uh, they uh, it was a long time waiting to get a response, so uh, nothing was made in time for this exhibition. Yeah. But when I'm back, I'm going to be starting to work more with them to see what they have, and I will assist them in documenting them. Yeah. So it's also like, you know, facilitating their registration and documentation of this thing. Yeah, so not, they, not that you're just a, a tourist coming, but you're actually participating in the whole yeah, process. Yeah, making yeah. some use mm. of myself, mm. maybe. Mm. And uh, in archaeology, they have this 100-year rule. Yeah. Thing is not an artifact, you know, or part of a history, unless it's uh, 100 years, at least. Okay, because yeah. so that's... 100 years that's from in the book. No, yeah. 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 Where does the 100 years come from? Is this arbitrary or is it... Uh... It is arbitrary because uh, many archaeologists today really don't think that that implies. Um, okay. And, you know, archaeology is quite a recent uh, science study in a way. And uh, I think most people, like including myself, we have this very romantic notion of it. Mm. You know, that you are just in a hole and you're digging through the ground and you're finding more about, you know, the area and how people used to live and and so on. But when you stumble across this yellow piece of rubber band, mm. it, it kind of... Uh, it kills the romanticism a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a way. <laughs> it, yeah. it really does. So... Uh, I think it's just a really interesting topic and it correlates a lot with many ideas in art and I mean it is a topic of of many artists as well. Mm. But it's quite quite a recent thing for me um to 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 take like an actual part in and, and understanding it a bit more. Mm. So yeah. Mm, cool. So that that uh, so then there was this other art the, was it an artist also this uh, Bebe uh, person I forgot his name yeah Bebe stands for Berki Bragason yeah he um, he also works a lot with uh, uh, like yeah archaeology uh, history and uh, and uh, I've I've collaborated with him a bit just through projects like in Stavir up mm-hmm. in the Westfjords and uh, 
he is really well literated, read, yeah. read in the field, <laughs> well, yeah. you, you can say so. Mm. So uh, the texts for the for the exhibition handout is based on just few conversation conversations we had mm. about this topic, mm. and he wrote it down this neatly in a, in a letter, which mm. which will be on the exhibition. Mm. Cool. So then, uh, um, but. Uh, you uh, you're talking a lot about the archaeological part, but what uh, what is your what is your uh, background in art? Where, how did you start out? How did you uh, um, how did you end up in archaeology? Uh, well, if I can answer that way, <laughs> crappy question. Goes, no, no, no. It makes I guess it. Well, I studied natural sciences sciences in college. Mm. And uh, I wasn't around art at all, like growing up, but my mom, she is a geologist. Mm, okay. And uh, so we went on all these trips in Iceland when I was a kid, and I thought they were extremely boring because you were never allowed to um, to control the way. You always had to just sit in, and when it was time to stop, according to your parents, you stopped. Yeah. So it was a very guided tour. Yeah. And uh, I guess... One of the great things about being an artist is that you can combine your interest with your artwork. Yeah. So I've, I've worked a lot with uh, nature and, and certain places in my work before. So uh, this is probably a very kind of, I don't know, the next step in this mm. thing, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You started out with with a lot of nature things. I think we had a conversation about that earlier. That's so unfair if you're in Iceland. You know, you you got. It's not my phone. There's a phone. Is that your phone? Mm. I just thought I turned it off. Sorry. I'm just happy. I'm not. I'm not the the one where the phone goes off. No, normally it's me. So, don't worry. We're a professional podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I don't know what maybe what you were beginning uh, saying about Iceland and nature. Yeah. That it's so unfair that you um, when you have if for example if you're in the in the Netherlands you have some nice nature spots but you don't really have nature at all. Mm. The only nature that comes close is the water and that's the sea. Mm-hmm. And even that is somehow tamed. Mm-hmm. So all nature in the Netherlands, at least, is tamed. Here in Norway, you have real nature too. But uh, you have this art show about that in a way with the gardens and yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. This this artificial, artificial constructed uh, nature or this idea of nature of this. Yeah, and also this very flat. Isn't it, it it is it is most parts are really flat and and but it it's been cultivated for many 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 centuries. Yeah. So there's not not a not a stone unturned. There's not you know, yeah. not a not yeah. a road not planned or not a forest not planned. Even. Yeah. So I think there's maybe a, a small patch of like some ancient forest, but that's yeah, you know, also debatable if that's yes. Hmm. There is no forest left in Iceland. Almost like the yeah. joke: if you get lost in the forest in Iceland. Yeah, so that's your excuse when you come late. I got lost in the forest. (laughs) (laughs) Here here in Norway, it's very easy. Mm. Um, 
No, yes, I, I think it's also really, it's, there's a really, it's a hard line to thread. And I guess when I went to Glasgow, I thought, right, it's time to get rid of this nature bullshit. Mm. It's, you know, really difficult coming from Iceland and you're trying to portray elements of the landscape and nature in a way that doesn't get associated with tourism, commercialism, Mm. inspired by Iceland, all of these horrendous advertisement that, you know, kind of made uh, unique places totally drained a bit. Mm. And I mean, that is what hap- is is what happened now, like the, I think uh, the, the amount of tourists that came uh, last year were over a million and considering yep. that the population is 330,000, yep. we don't really have the means to take in so many tourists like and also during winter time there uh, it's really dangerous to go to Gullfoss and Geysis and there mm. is no safety rope no. you know that's no. taller than 50 centimeters or something mm. and people can just slide right so they down. are actually in a r- nice height so you actually uh, fall over them into the it, I mean, there are, there are a few tourists who die in Iceland every year and there's always a German person and like every single summer you, you kind of have this, you know, feeling that, well, when is, are they going to announce that this German tourist is lost, mm. you know. But it ha- that happens in Norway too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It a lot of, lot of Dutch people who disappear in the mountains never come back. Dutch people. Yeah, German Dutch people. too, I think. Uh, yeah, but you know, I, I, we went on this uh, on this um, glacier walk uh, a couple of years back, and there was a couple of Dutch people who thought, "Oh, we're going to do that," and they had like their sneakers on, and they were very unprepared for. Luckily, it was a nice day. That or was it? No, no, I don't think it wasn't. It wasn't a, ni- a very nice day even, and, okay. and they, so they were freezing and stuff. They, they, you know, it wasn't that hard a glacier to go onto, but still. Just the unpreparedness, because as I said, as a Dutch person, you don't have that in your system that you prepare, you know, because there's always a bus leaving in five minutes. And yeah. There's always, there's always something available. Yeah. Mm. And, and then the conditions, like the weather conditions in Iceland, they can change instantly. Mm. It doesn't matter if the sky is clear and it's shining; it can be a hailstorm mm. a couple of minutes later. Yeah. It's very unpredictable, also in the summertime. Yeah. Especially in the highlands um i haven't traveled in in norway a lot but i know that it's like really mm. crazy mountains and mm. and stuff like that but uh, but in terms of like guided tours safe guided tours i think we're still working on them <laughs> they offer like northern lights buses and yeah. that annoyed me a lot when it first started because you can see the northern lights just in your out on the street in the yeah. backyard, if the solar eruption is really strong during yeah. that particular night, you will see it. Yeah. But then just going somewhere away so you won't be affected by the city light pollution. Mm. That's quite kind of taking advantage of this. And you can see that a lot. Yeah. Just as a tourist, you have to be clever not to participate in this nonsense, I think. Yeah. Well, m- m- most tourists want to participate in this nonsense. Because I mean, they they see the availability and they go for it, you know. And there's there's always a few who don't, but uh, yeah, that's that one German who gets yeah. lost again. <laughs> uh, no, that's not funny. <laughs> no, it isn't. No. But it, but it. Uh, we have the same in the north of Norway with this uh, 
modern lens. Yes. Well, no, 
they now the now the verdicts are up and uh, the state prosecuted several of them and they've all gotten off really uh, easily like the prime minister he was also sued for yeah. neglect neg- neglect or something. yes yeah and that suit was dropped mm. the the president turned a blind eye mm. during the whole thing and just emerged three months later in his new year's like um public speech and apologized for his uh, lack of presence mm. if if Vigdís Finnbóðóttir would still have been the president, she would have made like many, many public appearances and, you know, patted people on the back and mm. she wouldn't have participated in this corruption as well. Mm. Um, I think I think it turned out okay considering. Because if you, if, if, you, if you look at the example in Greece, mm. right there, well, they, it's interesting what happens now because they got a new government and see, and they're going to yeah. reform this whole debt thing because uh, I think, as I understood it, and I, as I said, I, I am by no means well informed. You know, so this is just, sh- sh- what I say, anyways. But uh, that somehow the the Icelandic people um, got their power back instead of being slaves to like other banks or other powers. You mm-hmm. know, they just said, okay, no, we're no, there's no debt. You can all go to hell, and uh, uh, and we're gonna try to do it on our own. So they you plunged down. But you got up a lot faster than if you would have paid paid it down in a in a in a way as Greece was doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was because uh, like the government that came after, mm. they were really smart and they started. They were just uh, like crisis control mm. for the time that they were on. Like that was just for four years, yeah. and then after four years, people wanted to see changes happen more quickly. So that's why. Now it's the Progressive Party and the Independence Party, and they're totally destroying everything. Like everything that was good, you know, with the health system, with the school you, education. You get system. what you choose. If you're going to get greedy and impatient, that's it's, what you get. It's unbelievable. I don't know anyone mm. that cho- chose that voted this government apart from my grandmother, but she is very old school and lived on a farm. And the Progressive Party was really important many years ago, but mm. now it's just rotten through. Mm. And. Uh, so now things are going really bad, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was another economic crisis in three years. Mm. You can already see like really strong. Uh, I was going to say indigestions, strong mm. suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, indigestions also implies here that things are might go even worse than two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. So many hotels were now being built, and so yeah. much money being spent, and also the the private companies are coming up wanting to support the arts with, you know, a small letter at the bottom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's just gonna see what happens in another two years. How how bad this government can ruin things because. Yeah. Making something better takes time. It, yeah. That's a long run, but yeah. you can so easily screw things up like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, a textbook example. I, I find it interesting hearing like very experienced political scientists talking about, oh, what happens in Iceland? It's a textbook you yeah. know, thing. It's a textbook. Like they're going by the book and now they're trying to privatize the health system by yeah. being like 
the doctors were on strike. Many of the doctors moved to Norway, for yeah. example, because of the bad pay in Iceland. Yeah. It's just one part of, of privatizing everything again. Yeah. But that's the funny thing, because in the Netherlands they've been quite early with privatizing, and all the all the countries who were privatizing basically come back from it, because because it doesn't really work. You can't. I mean, certain things you can privatize for sure, but uh, many things, you know, like schooling and like health uh, care and stuff. You know, it's if you privatize it, you have to have a very good system running if it wants to function well. Yeah. And but then when you look at the states, for example. Yeah. That's where it's all coming from. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't bode very well. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you see the same similar things happen in Norway, and happily, it's it's you know the country is so uh, on the periphery, the same as Iceland, that mm-hmm. things hit here ten years later. So actually, uh, you can do things a bit better than the first wave of of, of things because you can already see mm-hmm. okay that went wrong and that went wrong. So then we can tweak it a bit into the, a better direction. I think the short-term memory is outstanding back at home. It's mm. like there's, there's. I don't think many people are going to learn from from previous years, unfortunately. Yeah, as I said before, you, know, you, cho- you get what you choose, unfortunately. <sighs> it's horrible. Mm. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's, <again. laughs> talk about, let's go back. Let's go back to our safe haven art, I'm so happy. where everything is happy and everything is, you know, right. <laughs> where everything is just good. Ignorance is bliss. Uh. It is. Celebrate your inner blonde. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, no, but that, you know, art touches in a sense on a lot of things because one, one problem I see with art these days is, is uh, in a certain sense, it's relevance mm. you know, in regards to, to the rest of the world because I, I feel most artists is is lacking hopelessly behind, and I don't mean that they you know, that art needs to be on top of things, but uh, I mean lacking behind in 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 uh, somehow engaging. You know, they just they just kind of sit on the wave of everything else, where everything goes faster, gets more superficial, gets more. You know, every every everything needs to be Instagrammable. Yeah. Everything needs to be uh, uh, you know easy to digest. Not and, keeping up. Hmm? Not keeping up the... No, it, it it's it's doing the same thing as everything else, and and it kind of loses uh, uh, some kind of in depth mm-hmm. thing. And uh, I use this ma- example many times as well. Is that it's also very hard because if you work on something for ten years, you know, and you 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 come to some kind of artistic conclusion, right? In an instant, it's going to be integrated in in whatever in advertising, in in movies, in music videos, in business uh, mm-hmm. strategies and stuff like that. Uh, so, so there's which is a good thing in one sense because you know the diversities of strategy all around get bigger. So, so uh, uh, I say society as a whole gets more complex and it gets more interesting maybe or or more confusing, but. But for the art itself, it, it makes the art, uh, and, and I don't know if this is a good thing. I just I just see it as a movement, you know, because it could be a very well a good thing that that art, uh, um, I say, it comes down from its pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or to, like takes in consideration, like actual, like not actual topics is the wrong word, but global topics instead of referencing art history or itself. 
I guess. Mm-hmm. Like when you say following a trend, when when something becomes when there's this hype and the bubble that surrounds it, and art follows the same pattern as design or or something. Mm-hmm. I think I think I know where you're getting at. Mm-hmm. There's it's always like a question with me whether or not that this thing, this idea that I have in my mind is is worth taking is it worth taking up space mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but if you think about that too much then it's gonna you know yeah. cut on your productivity yeah. so much that it's just like yeah. non-existent almost but don't you feel, uh, feel that goes both ways because i asked this question uh, a lot too right okay is this is this worth my energy mm-hmm. and is this worth all the resources i'm going to put into it? is this mm-hmm. worth all the you know this this short moment you create uh, but also keeps you sharp in a way and keeps you from just doing easy solutions and, yeah. and, and, and uh, you recycle it a lot yeah and that process is really important i feel like i've done a lot of recycling since i finished the mfa yeah yeah because you finished in 2013 that's that's a year and a half ago yeah yeah so that's pretty pretty recent i feel like it's a long time yeah it goes then, faster but then, then a lot of things in between. Yeah. yeah, because I just went home for like a break. I hadn't really considered if I was staying in Glasgow or or staying in Reykjavik. Uh, but I got restless in one week after. But I got a studio like instantly, which mm. I didn't really feel like using right after the MFA. Mm. But then, um, like the Living Art Museum calls, and it's an artist-run museum, and the it's it's kind of passed on to the next generation yeah. at the time, so like, like I, like I got the call yeah. basically, and it's been great. Yeah. You, you learn a lot by running a museum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, I I hadn't heard uh, of it before before I read about you now, but uh, so uh, where it's located in Reykjavik? Yeah, it has a building. Yeah, it's. Many buildings. It's had many buildings. Yeah, it's recently so it's, uh, moved. Yes, um, it was established in 1978 by a group of 25 local artists yeah. who uh, um, were not happy with the collection policy of the National Gallery at the time. The National yeah. Gallery wasn't collecting any contemporary art. Yeah. So the Lynn Art Museum kind of derived from this artist-run gallery called Gallery Sum. And large part of the collection came from their artworks that had been done there. Mm-hmm. And they were really like like innovative, experimental group of artists. And uh, it's interesting in, in terms of just how things are done today and just in a bigger, much bigger um, Co- context. No. Context, yeah. exactly, is that uh, artists came together and took responsibility for their own art history. Mm-hmm. And because of the Living Art Museum, or Nilistasapnit, Nilo, like we call it, um, a lot of this history is, is now preserved. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get requests all, all over Europe, for example, to borrow works mm-hmm. for exhibitions there. A large part of the collection is, uh, is a donation from Dieterhof, who yeah. lived there and has children. 
and uh, artists that have exhibited in the Living Earth Museum we gradually like collected those works mm. remains after exhibitions mm. um, and it's always been artist run yeah that that's also an argument that it's always been badly run yes <laughs> <laughs> but it it has maintained it mm. has uh, gone through like ups and downs and uh, now we took the the board my board we took the decision of uh, Moving the collection and everything to the suburbs of Reykjavik, yeah. the east side, and uh, many people thought it was really uh, radical. Yeah, but it's it's so funny because the scale is so miniature. Yeah, <laughs> you talk you know, like Reykjavik, how many it has hundred and fifty thousand people? Something like that. Yeah, which is a tiny town. So yeah. if you move to one side or the other, it takes you five minutes but longer. This is sort of just like the ghetto mm-hmm. area of. Uh, yeah, like the like, ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. it uh, yeah, but everything is so centralized in Reykjavik. It's just the yeah. old town that's kind of that rules everything, mm, and yeah. everything is there. Mm. So, but then the museums in the smaller smaller towns surrounding Reykjavik, they have like their own museum as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the move has proven like very good for the museum. It's like gaining a different, it's ga- gaining like. Um, a, a broader uh, audience, mm-hmm. like uh, small children, teenagers from mm-hmm. the school surrounding, they're coming a lot to see the artwork and they're mm-hmm. really asking difficult questions about art and nice. you really need to know your shit. Yeah. Like yeah, seven-year-old boys yeah, yeah. from everywhere, like, yeah. how can you say that a dildo is art? Yeah. You know, what about this blow-up doll and the motorcycle yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it's 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 been very been very interesting mm. so this just happened uh, last summer and we're on our third exhibition now mm-hmm. so we're also taking over the old public uh, what do you call it i was trying to find a nicer word for it but toilets yeah uh, in the center that and uh, it's an underground facility yeah <laughs> That has been listed and preserved, so uh, it's going to be uh, renovated. Mm-hmm. Like, no, restorated. Like, re- well, restorated. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's going to keep its original tiles, and everything is going to be very. Uh, they're going to keep true to you know the architect of the of the place, yeah. and that's going to be another project space for the museum this okay. spring and summer. Yeah. So how many people are, are working in the in the living museum? Uh, how living many artists are involved? It's an association. Yeah. Um we have three hundred and sixty seven members. Okay. Yeah. And ninety uh, percent of them are artists. Yeah. Um we keep the artist like when they passed, like some uh, one of the founding members, he, he passed away, but he's always going to be, you know, part of the group, of yep. course. And uh, the board is uh, five people, and the secondary board, three people. And then we've got two other staff. Yep. I'm the director of the board, and then I am hired as the director of the museum, yep. which makes sense because you're so much involved with everything. That it, uh, yeah. yeah. Makes, it's a small step, and yeah, um, hmm. and that's it. That must be interesting. Must be fascinating. Uh, 
I used to I used to work in an art space in the Netherlands called Artis Den Bosch, mm-hmm. and which was also it wasn't a museum but it was a, uh, and and uh, you know this also went through ups and downs, ups and downs. Unfortunately, now it, it disappeared. Uh, um, How long was it running? Twenty years or something. So from the eighties till mm-hmm. till two thousand. That's really something. bad when that happens because usually, like artists from spaces, they if they survive the second year, mm-hmm. if they survive the first two years, then they have potentiality to gain more fundings. Mm-hmm. But I heard that the funding system for artists from spaces in Holland. Yeah, that collapsed completely. I think as as far as I know. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but this 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 happened a bit before that, but. Uh, um, uh, I, I don't know exactly the story why it ended, but it had, had something with local politics to, to do and something with very funding, likely. something very with, uh, you know, I, as I said, it, it was after I left that it, uh, that it collapsed. Right. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's so fascinating to see how these, how these, uh, energies go up and down and, and you learn so, so incredibly much from it. I used to run a run a. I was the, like the crisis in the crisis year. I graduated in two thousand and nine. Yes. In spring, so I remember just in October, no one was around <laughs> in school. Everyone was watching the news, but then yeah. everyone got fed up with the news and yeah. I didn't watch the news for many years after yeah. that mm-hmm. period. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we started the gallery. And it ran for almost two years, and uh, now in the museum we're making a publication that shows the history. Wait, one step back. You started the gallery? The... I started the gallery in 2009, and it ran for two years. Yeah, what, what was the name again? Gallery Primo. Primo, yeah. yeah, we hadn't talked about it. I didn't see that in uh, in our text. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can, I can, uh, well, that was... It started out the two of us, and we, me and Solveig Paulsdóttir, and then a few other people joined, and we kind of formed a board for a short period of time. Um, but it was like the grassroot gallery. Mm-hmm. And I think we had 87 exhibitions in one and a half year. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's ten times as insane as we did with uh, Demon's Mouth the first yeah. day, I think. It's it was it was a lot. Oh like, my often did it change every week? Yeah. For the first for the summertime, we had an opening, new opening every week. Wow! And That's we had open every day, yeah. and it was also so you were living and breathing uh, that space then, basically. I was I was actually living there yeah. in the basement. Yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> it was an old uh, house and. Uh, me and my boyfriend at the time, and Eileen, my friend who actually lives here, she lived there as well. <coughs> and uh, so, yeah, there was this, we used the living room as the big exhibition space, and then all of the smaller rooms, you know, the kitchen, the the bathroom, as ex- like uh, gallery spaces where the artists of the galleries could show their work, and they used to sell their work there. Oh, yeah. And in the loft, which was really like my favorite space, like under the roof, there mm. was another smaller exhibition space. So there was always a new opening upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. So they were switching, t- t- overlapping yeah. and... or, or Always or... opening on Fridays at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, like massive party. Yeah. And, uh, and during the winter time, it was every other week. Yeah. 
like one week longer exhibitions, but yeah. that was still like a lot. Oh, that, that's yeah, that's mm. insane. It was it was really fun and it mm. worked out really well and uh, it was um, like a first exhibition opportunity for many artists yeah. from my year. And then we made a book. Yeah. <laughs> we made a book about it and we designed it ourselves and we wrote it ourselves. And it's it's very um, hands-on, yeah. visibly yeah. done. And it's called Trust Us, We Are Artists. Yeah. That's nice. Nice. <laughs> yes. That's so, cool. Did you bring a copy? I didn't bring a copy of that book. I brought a copy of the new book okay. with the fünf. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I, in relation to this reads, I mean, this is five, four, three years ago. But uh, artist-run spaces, like like in Oslo, in I mean, Demon's Mouth is an artist-run space. Well, it's 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 somehow a bit of a hybrid. A hybrid of it. Yeah, because because we never portrayed ourselves as too much as such, but of Why course not? it is. The, because I think that ambiguity was a bit more interesting because there was there's so many artist run spaces here and also mm-hmm. that that to to you know to move a bit away to be basically between a gallery and an artist run space was a was a, a a weirder place to be okay so had more to do with that I think okay mm. um, we are making a publication in the museum that shows how many artist run spaces have opened since uh, 1923 wow. and how much of the museums and associations and projects were originally artist run yeah. and I mean it's it's 85% almost yeah. that comes from artists directly yeah. like the Reykjavik School of Visual Art it's just artists who teach there and yeah. who run it yeah. and, uh, and also the National Gallery and uh, I think I'm well parts of the National Gallery at least that were also artist initiated um, and it's a lot of spaces since 1965 when Gallery Sum was established mm-hmm. and I think we were talking about maybe Signal in Sweden, they did something like this mm-hmm. this space but it hasn't been done in Reykjavik and I think it's trying to like it's at least underlining a part how large portion of just the art scene entirely is self-created mm. by artists yeah. and how much the government should be thankful and the state should be thankful for that yeah yeah but they are they're spoiled by that and basically go- governments are governments they you know yeah that's politics which is something completely different which has well yes yes and no art politics are also very Sure, but that that's art within well, politics within art. But that's something different than politics. But politics is is uh, is mostly about negotiate uh, ne- negotiating, and that has little to do with with where your heart lies that much. No, but unfortunately, uh, I I didn't realize when I started working at the Living Art Museum how much of my job was negotiating and talking to politicians. Yes. Yes. Mm. Or, the, or like not politicians necessarily but uh, people with money that has some kind of a saying in how things are run and done mm-hmm. so it's it's part politics is a part of art yeah of course yeah. of course yeah. but uh, um, it is something different 
I don't mean as yeah. an artist. You, you know, it, it is a it's a different hat. Yeah. You know, than your art hat, and and uh, and that makes things quite confusing now and again. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But also interesting. But uh, uh, do you think that that large amount in Iceland has to do with that it's such a small country or number-wise that there's that that there isn't enough? Uh, I mean, if you talk about three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand people who who have to kind of make a country, mm. you know, that is that is. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around how sm- small, uh, how, how low that number is, right? So isn't isn't it kind of doesn't that imply in itself that people have to do if they want something they have to do it themselves is that a mentality in Iceland or is that uh... Uh, yes well at least with the younger generations of course mm. but that's how larger things happen mm. definitely um, mm. I, I think so and also like Þetta reddast you know it will reddningen what do you call it in Norway we will make this happen. Uh, we will make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do it yourself. Uh, yeah, the do it yourself attitude. Of course, that, uh, I, I do believe <coughs> that that well. I think since the sixties, art historically seen like artist-run spaces and and artist-run initiatives have really gaining power. That's where they started to to pop up. I think mm. much more, and uh, and you had that before the World War Two, but they were they were just really small pockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were a couple of pockets in Paris, maybe a couple in New York, mm-hmm. and maybe Chicago or something weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, you you know you had London, and but you had just small pockets of of mm-hmm. of art. But I, I think there's never been so many artists as as there's now because mm-hmm. it's 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 become accessible for the middle class which it wasn't before that much mm-hmm. and and uh, it's much more acceptable also as a as a profession or as a way of living than it was before yeah in many ways in in many ways it's still like uh like we don't have a union artists in iceland don't have a union yet mm-hmm. i think they're finally finalizing an agreement with like the union of university, like like edu- educated people, um, this this spring, but the artist-run initiatives usually I think the average lifetime is considered maybe two years, and then mm. the energy is done yeah. because yeah. Uh, you don't get any funding. It's yeah. it's very rare that you get funding, and if you do, then it's a possibility that it will survive. Yeah. For the next year, like uh, Klingo Bank Gallery, yeah. they've been yeah. running for twelve years, and I heard, I've... I heard, and we've seen them as well on some of the art fairs. I think, mm-hmm. I think yeah. they've been around. Yeah. yeah, they're like they're they're all. It's it's always been run on voluntary basis mm. uh, by a group of artists, and uh, it's 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 crazy when you think like that they don't get like proper funding because they they're so well established. Mm. Like in in the lo- much larger yeah, in the international yeah, art context. Yes. Mm. Yeah, but at, I mean, this is a uh, you know an ongoing debate. Uh, 
as in the Netherlands where they cut down all the funding all of a sudden. You're talking and about politics and fast politics. Yes, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> no, but in the Netherlands, which was on the forefront of art funding for many, many decades, uh-huh. yeah, since the 80s or something, 70s, maybe even. I don't, I don't remember when that started. I'm not that good in art politic history, but uh, uh, they were quite early and quite, quite ahead, and they were funding really avant-garde stuff. You know, for a long yeah. time, and now suddenly everything is gone. Also, right? the statecraft. Uh, I think there's, I guess there's some of it left, but it's really marginalized. Yeah. yeah. It's just very marginalized, and it. But that's not the problem. The problem is also that that all the continuity continuity is mm-hmm. is killed. So mm-hmm. places which had fundings for many years and could build up something suddenly didn't get funding anymore and had to shut down because they yeah. couldn't maintain their buildings and all that mess. And so, so, uh, and if you break down these institutions, then suddenly you have nothing left. And even though you fund something new, which you don't, you know, which, uh, uh, which could take off or, or not, or, or, you know, or, but they, they're, they are not sure that they get funding next year either. So they can't really plan long term or, or do anything. Mm-hmm. So you break down a whole, whole field of culture and you don't build it up that fast. It's really difficult. Mm. Like it doesn't need that much money. Um, it only no. It's all. It's only symbolic n- numbers. Yeah. I mean, if you if you really look, it's zero point zero one percent of the I say of the budget of a country. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it the reason I think, in my opinion, that that politicians are cutting in the art uh, in the arts is because they can make easy points. They can show that they're decisive. That they're kind of cutting money and and. Uh, 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 you know, and they're talking about small numbers, but you can, you know, mm-hmm. make them appear bigger and, and score points, political yeah. points. That's, that's and they're an easy clear. target. Yes, very. And it's a quick fix because you mm. can name the amount that uh, is, yeah. like, for example, we still have artist salaries in Iceland. Mm. We still have, like, it hasn't been that long, but it's fairly established now. And every year when the artist salaries or announced like who got it there's a big debate in you mean the grants or the uh, it's, it's a monthly pay okay um for it can range from one month for a travel stipend three yeah. months four months six months and it's all the arts that yeah. all all kinds of arts yeah. can apply for so it. music uh, theater <coughs> film yeah. uh, visual arts yeah. and whatnot dance mm-hmm. yeah. i received it for the first time this year yeah um for four months and um i didn't expect to to receive it but just just you know realizing that i get four months where like i'm given time to focus on my mm. own work mm. that's extremely important mm. it's really great and i'm very thankful for that but uh, there's always this you know people the people who are against it they talk about what about the health system mm. Like as soon as you bring the health system into yeah, yeah. the equation, every of course yeah. the health system. But this works. is, in a sense, this is this is a very easy argument because you can, <coughs> if if a nation doesn't appreciate its its cultural, right, uh, um, you know the discussion ends. If you appreciate appreciate your culture, you know then then you can talk about this issue, yeah. right? And, and I think more people are kind of realizing that it takes maybe a year to put up a large exhibition. It takes two years often to to write a book, to write a play, to mm. compose music. Mm. You know, 
how are you going to get that time? Time mm. is kind mm. of money. Money mm. is time in the sense. Yeah. So it's it's also about the general public, what they think, because if they're being fed this information that artists are just living off the state and, you know, they mm. should just do proper jobs. But the funny so thing on. is, you know, the one argument I always give back is, you know, if you give an artist money, what do you think happens to the money? They put it in the bank or go to Switzerland with it? No, they're spending it. It goes straight back into the economy. Yeah, of course. You know? yeah. It goes straight back into the economy. So it's it's not money lost. It's money which generates, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and and generates a lot of Because the, to go back to the Netherlands, you know, by killing a lot of this culture field, it, it loses, you know, it goes a couple of steps down in how this international idea of, oh, this is a great country for, uh, you know, let's talk about tourism again, but about art tourism, right? Mm-hmm. And art tourism, that's us. Like, yeah, when we go to Nantes, oh, I'm going to go to these places, see these places. And, you know, if there's less of this, you know, then you choose another town over that. You know, because yeah. you say, oh, I'll go there. It's I much nicer. I think, like, for example, in Vienna, I thought that the general public was just so much more, ex- like, accepting in a way uh, of art. Like, art had such a well-established roots mm. there that it's, like, no question about it. It's mm. so rich with culture, mm. with music, with everything. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I feel like people forget a lot very easily. Mm. Yeah. Of course, it's also a thing you have to maintain. But, uh, like, one problem I also saw in the Nens, before I came to the Nens, you know, when, when, when we did an opening at, at our place or at place and we, of course we weren't in Amsterdam or Rotterdam or something but we're just in a, in a town half the size uh, population of, of uh, Iceland mm-hmm. and 150,000 a large city uh, it's, <laughs> it's in a, a small small town mm-hmm. and you know but we had an art academy there and uh, so there was a big art field in that sense but if we had 20 30 people we were happy on an opening on an opening yeah that's disgraceful you know, and then mm-hmm. I came here, and you know, we we stood shoulder to shoulder, and everybody's engaged, and there was a, a scene happening, and people were enjoying it, and it's still like this, right? So what that meant for the Netherlands, you know, that even when the artists themselves don't come, right? If they say, "I oh, know, I can't be bothered," you know, why should anybody else pay for it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's I think that's a fair argument, and it's a very pitiful argument, which has to do with the funding in the first place, because that's why the artist mm-hmm. got so estranged from this relation between showing up to your own gigs and yeah. supporting your own own world yeah. and, and not only you know by making art but also by engaging and being there yeah. i don't say this isn't happening you know there's enough people doing this but but i think the larger part were just yeah just lost that part in some way and and that destroyed basically it's this you know it made it an easy target again to just cut it all away so uh, I'm trying to find the word for samstara unity in a way. It's yeah. just so important. I was asked um, today to give like my opinion of who I thought were the most influential people in the arts and culture in Iceland. Yes. And uh, like instead of jumping directly to you know naming specific politicians or like. You know the ambassadors or, or not ambassadors um, the the people in charge like the ministers and yeah. stuff like that um i think after like a bit of you know clear head it's it's the media 
Mm. It's extremely important. And I think that they're, um, they have a lot, extremely lot to say what happens, for example, in a small community like Iceland. If I just, if I'm just talking about that, for instance. Mm. And then I think we have around three or four practicing independent curators in Iceland. Mm. They're becoming more and more influential and, uh, also, the grassroots scene is so important that uh, kids, when they're graduating or while they're still in school, that they do something. And that's how the artist run initiative mm. uh, route just kind yeah. of continues. Yeah. And it doesn't have to, you know, be ongoing or stay for a really long time, but it's really important while it's happening. Yeah. Because the next thing takes over and next yeah. thing. And now, like, I after this gallery Kunstlager started uh, in Reykjavik, I heard that Gallery Krimo, like the gallery that I started, was kind of a module for that yeah. gallery. So, yeah. I mean, the ball will roll and it yeah. will continue. Then, I can't remember what else I wrote, but it's just, it's it's not like, you mm. know. But talking about the media, that's, that's where this podcast comes from as well. Mm. You know, the same the same strategy you know because uh, uh, you have control over with the internet you can create your own media mm-hmm. you can create your own exactly. own networks of information mm-hmm. and which are which which can compete you know if you do it right with the with the big medias mm-hmm. and uh, um, but yeah you're absolutely right you know it's it's it uh, I think that's also one thing that went wrong with the Netherlands you know because the media was was basically uh, uh, letting go of that cultural heritage and you yeah. know just fed on all the all the sentiments uh, in certain certain areas of the Netherlands or certain ideas yeah. of the Netherlands and not not kind of leveling it out and and, and uh, uh, making it a more healthy discussion or a more healthy uh, situation mm-hmm. and, and that's very essential you know, yeah. you know how many how many contemporary art programs are you you know, are you able to watch on just your national TV, right? One. Mm. And Nor- Norway has Norway is not too bad. They have one, two, something. Yeah. Um, we have like the radio. Yeah. Uh, the national broadcasting service, Raus Eight Channel One, is really important in terms yeah. of just uh, just a convers- like a culture. Just it it just mm. carries the. <laughs> Most of the weight yeah. and discussion and everything, yeah. yeah. I don't know what would happen if they wouldn't continue yeah. like that. And yeah. there, I mean, the fundings there are being cut down massively, of, of course. course yeah. But um, the the connections or like the bonds between the media and the critics, well, there are no actual art critics in Iceland, but the critical voices were actually mm. like outspoken and talking about, you know, what's happening. Um, they're they're really short, mm-hmm. so um, people like they have a really strong public voice if they're active on Twitter, mm-hmm. on Facebook. The media picks up all sorts of you know quotes and statuses, and there's a lot of discussion happening. And the most critical voices are the voices of of artists and writers, and mm-hmm. you know the people from this particular field that are criticizing the government, and then. Um, the Progressive Party owns a really large portion of this uh, newspaper called Diavaf, and 
Then there's this one writer there who's actually writing very critical about about death. Yeah, yeah and right. I mean it's it's. I mean, thankfully, like freedom of speech and like you know the power of the pen, it's it's yeah. still like valid in the sense that yeah. people are not getting away with being complete assholes yeah. as easily like before. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that that's also what I'm saying. You know, it it is much easier to create your own platforms now yeah. or to. To create netbooks of information, and and uh, because the big media has started doing that less and less, because they're more and more in the pockets of these, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, of whatever. Yeah, and I mean, David Otson, like the prime minister at the time of the crisis, who mm-hmm. is like largely like responsible, responsible yeah. for everything. He is the editor of the morning newspaper, mm-hmm. the paper now, and he's been. He's the Berlusconi of uh, of Iceland, literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't think he 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 was such a, you know, he, he wasn't going after the ladies as much as Berlusconi. No. But uh, he, he is a horrendous figure. Yeah. In terms of political history in Iceland, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, shall we move away from politics now? Let let's give it another try. <laughs> We get sucked in again. Mm. Uh, Maybe we can take like a... A small break, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. We'll take a small break. I'll just pause the... And we are back. So funny, because if you listen to it, you won't notice that we we were gone, but... (laughs) If you really listen, you would. If you really listen, you would, you would, you would, yeah. Hear the vacuum of time in between. we of course had the most interesting conversation in between uh, in in this break, but uh, uh-huh. uh, of course they're not to share. <laughs> so we talked a lot about politics. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. It is. It is. Yeah. I think, uh, um, uh, or politics not as such, but being engaged, being uh, caring, you know, being That's part of. That's exactly what I thought. Like as soon as you said that, it's about caring. Mm. It's about making, having things relevant. Yeah. That everything like matters. Yeah. In in this, like in everything else, but like mm. having a very open dialogue and like knowing what's happening here, what's happening in, happening in Holland, what's happening in Iceland, mm. a lot of things that are the same but maybe yeah. a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, they overlap in in many ways, and because because that that's also a thing I become more and more aware of that things aren't as in unique as you think they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, most things have happened before in in some form or other, and and totally, and it's just history it, repeating itself. Yeah, so it's silly not to at least uh, now and again listen to it and and try to mm-hmm. improve upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, uh, maybe also what I like, what I think is really interesting coming to Oslo, like what what do you think of the art scene here, and you know how it is at the moment, and the positive and the negatives, and well, when I came here, there were a lot of uh, a lot of artists on spaces, and so I think. Since I came here, this is the third wave. So we are with Demon's Mouth, we were part of the third wave as well. We were one of the last ones which popped up. I think Kachenko's apartment came a bit after us. 
But I remember that I talked to uh, to one of the guys at Petrenko's apartment about opening up spaces just before we opened up spaces, and and mm-hmm. and this was funny because he went to the Netherlands in that period where I was here, so he came back and he was actually disappointed that you know everything slowed down a lot, so it wasn't as vibrant as it was before, which is a natural kind of you know mm-hmm. rhythm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, uh, so that was his intention also to open up a space, and that was partly our intention also to, yeah. If 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 you think it's important that that there's a, a live scene, you have to do something yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be part of that, and you have to try to make an effort and do you know, add to the vari- variety. You know, and and our decision with Demon's Mouth was yeah, what I said to to get this bit awkward position between maybe a, a normal gallery and a, and a, and a artist run gallery. But also uh, focusing really on international artists, yeah. because because I think uh, um, if if there's something lacking here in Oslo or in Norway, it's it's this uh, um, you know this awareness of this international art world, yeah. which is really important if Oslo is engaging with you know the larger spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that's lacking a lot in Iceland, but mm-hmm. maybe it's the f- it's. Maybe the development is different now because this just started an yeah. MFA program. Yeah. So um, the development there, if I would speculate, should be that more and more like foreign students would come. Yeah. And they would influence the art scene. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's what has happened, and it's interesting to talk about Glasgow, in in relation to that because the MFA department happened just after. Or around the time that transmission started, yeah. So that's one of the most important galleries in Glasgow, Artistron, and it's still going. It's thirty-one years old now, mm-hmm. which is quite wow. yeah. interesting. And Catalyst Arts in Belfast, Ireland, they um, is are like a sister model yeah. of that gallery. So this the art scene in Glasgow has been considered extremely international. Because of so many international students coming to the program. Yep. But now because the visa restrictions have limited to only three months instead of three years, yeah. it's already changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll mm. you'll replenish or you 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 yeah. drain that energy away. My MFA thesis wasn't about my degree work, it was about the MFA course that I was studying on. Mm. Because I was experiencing that a lot with my I didn't have this visa problem, but my fellow students who I care a lot about, they had to move yeah. very soon yeah. after finishing. And, and they you know, came to the course thinking that they could stay for at least two years. Yeah. And then most of them have gone. Yeah. I mean, originally they were planning to you know, get married and you know, find a way to stay. But of course that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that I know of. The most, most of them don't know. But uh, you know, I came to Norway that way too, right? I, I, you know, I got my entry through the MFA program here, mm-hmm. and and which which was really a blessing because you know that way I could, uh, uh, as I, be part of this art world much faster and easier than if I would have had to do it on my own. Yeah. Because you build up a very strong network, a, a strong relation to the people you <coughs> you go through these programs with, and 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 it's very essential and. What you say, you know, I stayed. Yeah. And why? Well, I, I already, I met a Norwegian girl before I came. So then, you know, 
but I didn't just want to move here for her. You know, there's yeah, not yeah. to make it sound wrong, but I uh-huh. also needed something for myself and yeah, and, and to do <coughs> to do a program like that. And it's very important because you know that way I also felt part of it, and and I still do. I really do. I feel included within this artwork, and uh, and uh, uh, you know, and, and that is very essential. And you know, I don't uh, so my role is very big, but at least I I got my mm-hmm. part in here. Yeah. Actually, after after I uh, finish the exhibition here, I'm gonna go to Glasgow, and I haven't been in one and one and a half year yeah. because of work. So I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone and see how you know the scene is doing and yeah. a couple of my uh, mates from school they just had an exhibitions and the scene in Glasgow. It is interesting, but it's it's. It's much bigger than the one in Iceland, but it feels like there's around the same amount of practicing artists. But then they have yeah. more of the commercial galleries. Yeah. So they have a because you don't have that much commercial gallery in uh, in uh, Iceland. We have one. One. I eight, and then another small gallery that just opened a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Uh, very little. Yes, and there is no commercial art scene really. There are really few artists, but I eight engages with the larger art world a lot, and they do yeah. their job really well. Yeah. In, mm. in terms of you know, making those artists international. Yeah. But also there has to be more international <coughs> artists in Iceland. To be yeah. And I I I hope that with the MFA program when it, you know, gains more experience, more people are gonna come there because. I was talking about talking to one of the guys who uh, is now finishing. He said that what he liked about Reykjavik and Iceland is that it's not a problem if you wanted to speak to some artist who live in Reykjavik. If you mm. wanted to like have, a I, I think you go to one or two bars and then you meet them. <laughs> yeah, and it's just a simple request. Like if you wanted yeah. to speak to Ragnar Kjartansson, that that is a possibility to have yeah. him at the school. Yeah. And also Oliver Eliasson if he's around and yeah. Katrin Sigurdóttir who is to be a professor there for a year. Yeah. And <coughs> but then there they aren't that many uh, many artists who are like really large hmm. international names. Yeah. But there are a few. Yeah. Yeah, but it uh yeah. but it is your these art art scenes they change, you know, they go go into these uh, what we talked about earlier on is continuity mm-hmm. how to maintain that and how how to give on the torch to the next generations and stuff mm-hmm. that is uh, 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 that also has to do with the art art academies themselves right when they uh, yes. you know they they go through mo- motions as well when when you know uh, different kind of professors come in different professors go out mm-hmm. and and or also a certain type of students all of some some uh, pop up, you know the the ones which are much more reclusive and work on themselves and don't engage as much, or the mm-hmm. people who are socially active and and organize mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. That has a lot to a lot to say of how engaging uh, the rest of the art world is as well. Mm-hmm. I think um, I was part of this committee that was asked to give like their evaluation of their experience from the school, like uh, mm. how it was uh, back when when you were studying and um, 
what you think of its role now today and I think it's an institution that keeps on improving itself um, but it's it's really close down to the like the fine arts department is just in the house where the fine arts department is there are no other mm. you know um, courses there around it's, yeah. it's a very like inner dialogue yeah uh, so it is like a really small bubble in a way yeah. and I remember when I was thinking about where to apply for my masters I wanted to get away from that bubble and I thought but if I don't don't you feel that anyways if you apply for master it's healthier to go to a different school so you don't get completely institutionalized of course. no I yeah. don't think that um, there are a few Icelanders who have studied their BA in Iceland and then continue their studies at the MFA mm. but I, I wouldn't do that. that that didn't suit I mean there mm. wasn't an MFA program there when mm. I was um, but also I felt that going for my masters in Scandinavia would be just continuing from this bubble to the next one mm. it was too close and I wanted to get a bit away from that so I chose Glasgow mm. but that's a bubble as well yes mm-hmm. yes um, and now I'm thinking it's a bubbly art world yeah but now I'm thinking maybe I will take my PhD in Oslo in five years or something yeah you want to do a PhD as well I didn't actually think about it until late, like earlier this evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought so much. So, so we have a, we have a, how I say, a premier, I say. No, I will jinx it, but yeah. I, I, it's not going to happen anytime soon, I think. I think PhD is only for a grown up, which I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, so uh, maybe in, in the future, yeah. I think. Yeah, because I, I decided absolutely not to do a PhD. I'm done with studying. I think it's a, uh, but it it's not for everyone. Let's also. talk together in three years and we'll yeah, see yeah. what you will think. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'll I'll, uh, uh, you know, I, as I said, I work at the academy now uh, yeah. as a, uh, you know, as a as a workshop, what do you see, workshop dude, workshop instructor, teacher, yeah. no, not a teacher. I don't see myself as instructor. A teacher. Not even instructor. Manager. Yeah, a workshop manager. manager okay. I guess yeah. So uh, no, I have I have uh, I have no fancy title as such, yeah. which which suits me very fine. But but so I'm so I don't feel inclined. I don't. I work there so much, so I don't miss it. So I don't need to go back in this this academic right. environment to to uh, to engage with it. I think. I guess maybe my I have a romantic notion as well in regards to PhD to be able to have just time on your side uh, really investigating certain mm. topics but uh, I mean I think in your practice uh, you know the little of it I know it, it suits also better you have a in a certain sense a bit more uh, I don't like to use the word but a bit more research based practice and right. I, I don't yeah elementary research i would like yeah. to call it yeah, yeah like as i said a, research is is, is mm-hmm. wasn't covering no 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 i mean maybe if if uh, if uh, if i continue to get the artist salaries and i continue to be able to really focus on my artwork then that's probably um the development there but i i don't know when you when you discover something in your <clears throat> that just about I don't know. For example, if I if I if I talk about one of the artworks on the exhibition, mm-hmm. 
it's a photograph of uh, three s sites. It's just uh, it focuses on this small, just this grass basically. It's just a piece of land that's really green and fluffy, and you can see just you know it's just grass basically. Mm -hmm. But uh, they are kumsh or like uh, pre-Christian burial sites, mm -hmm. and uh, the reason why they are known to be such is because they were robbed yeah so um just the idea of like knowing something is there because it was destroyed in yeah. a way i think yeah. it's really interesting because uh one of one one part of being an archaeologist is also you know the destroying part yeah you're the destroying part that you're, you're digging grave. up the ground yeah, yeah you're yeah. a grave robber as well yeah. so in the sense of now the the sites or hole they they haven't been meddled with again yet. Mm. Um, there might there might still be. I mean, something. It's very possible that something is there that will, you know, be a puzzle, yeah. a really important puzzle in some sort of coherent history that yeah. they are trying to form, but maybe not. Yeah. And uh, so the dig is going to happen last summer, and I've gotten a permission to go. And uh, be as much of a help and use as as possible. Yeah. I'm not sure if I will be allowed, mm. you know, a tool yeah. <laughs> or a shovel, but I will uh, definitely be there. And I want to really follow the process of like how they go about digging it up. And they've got the permission from the landowner to, yeah. you know, disrupt his land yeah. in that way. Mm. And then another work on the exhibition is is a photograph of an open uh, place like a, yeah, an, open, an open site yeah, yeah. And, yes and I, I wanted to give it I wanted to call those sites an open place because uh, archaeologists or the theory it doesn't allow for, for a lot of what you call like poesy or you know mm. there are no poetic notions mm. <laughs> in terms of really dry direct theory and they just call it excavated site mm -hmm. but what really happens to the place once it's been like emptied out and then filled in again and then just turfed over mm -hmm. you can see that the grass is uh, yellow it's dead yeah you know it's it's a destruction yeah. in a way and it's kind of brutal it's really brutal and uh, so the the idea of like the part of a place that used to be some sort of a container. Yeah. And now, I it's, don't know what it is now. Yeah, yeah I liked it from the text as well. Uh, that, like, is it the same kind of place mm -hmm. when it has been rubbed? When the name comes from what it contained, like, this yeah. is the place, yes. this is the site, this, this is called that. Yeah. Like, is it that when you rub, yeah. rub it? Yeah. And it's contained. Because this hill, it's called like the the burial hill yeah because it was known to contain so many burials and now most of the burials they've been taken away and so just it's out. just a hill actually it's yeah. just a man-made hill yeah like a yeah you can archaeolo see archaeological archaeological oh you had it though if you had it <laughs> oh, it was totally well, correct archaeological ar archaeological okay. hill yeah yeah now it should be like i don't know if if a museum should be built around it or something like they do too many like excavated sites but as soon as you start digging in a site in a historical if you break historical ground 
literally, then you're ruining it immediately. So in terms of like whether or not to build a dam, because in 2009 they found the oldest like man-made ruins in Iceland that was dated before 872. Yeah. And I mean, of course they had to go on and like fully investigate the location, which was Urriðafoss, south of Iceland. Uh, they destroyed it, so now it's open for, you know, just being floated over. Yeah. And I think that's just... But is I mean, uh, history is about about losing anyways, right? Because you, you, can't, you can't keep history. You know, that's an illusion to start with. Because whenever you look back at history, you're looking at yourself, right? You're looking at now, because... Mm-hmm. You, and and through those fragments and through those things you can deduce or can make you know you can create some kind of narrative of how it could have been mm-hmm. right and and speculation you of can how yeah, it might, yeah. It, it's it's only speculations speculation and, theory is the term that we came up with yeah <laughs> we really like yeah yeah but isn't if it's about losing isn't it also about like learning from and trying to remember like this is really far away history in terms of because we've been talking about really recent history, like yeah. the economy crisis and yeah. you know how people easily forget. Yeah. Maybe they have a... But that, that's... Uh, uh, it's, it's a very interesting problem because it, it, it goes both ways. Because if you, if you have too much, if you save too much, if you, uh, 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 you, know, you preserve everything, like plastics. Oh, like 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 the I say the the NSA is doing right, collecting all our <coughs> digital data, you know, or how mm-hmm. Google is doing, collecting or and Facebook mm-hmm. and all these things. They're collecting, you know, they're mm-hmm. collecting like crazy. They collect everything, you know, mm-hmm. where we move, uh, what we buy, what we you know, mm-hmm. what we like, what we don't like, you know. Exactly. They know us better than than the people around us. Yeah. You know? They know our darkest secrets. They know our our lightest moments, and they know everything in between. Right. Yeah. Everything and wants to be like all the apps that you download on your yeah, phone. They everybody, want to know your location. Yeah, yeah, everybody wants to know everything, you know. And and uh, iPhone has your fingerprint. It's an easier way of like opening your phone. Yeah, yeah. Of so course. they sell it to private companies. So what does it mean when like there's one thing when a government owns your fingerprints? But what does it mean when like a private corporation owns your fingerprint? Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, you know, we are owned. You know, as long as we have been humans, you know, there's. I don't know if there's a, been a moment in in human history that we owned ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but, but not, not let's not go into that one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a really good point that Bjarke made in the text was he said that humans are a geological force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just hadn't yeah. ever like really thought about it like that, but that's that's really much the case. Yeah. Yeah, and the plastic examples uh, is mm. a uh, yeah. And when you think about looking, I mean, now I can like talking to other archaeologists, like when they debate about if they should um, preserve every single nail that they find. Yeah. For example, the photograph that's on the exhibition that shows like the the teared up earth. Uh, the only thing that they could find there was one piece of nail. Yeah. It was a boat burial yeah. place. And everything had been robbed there apart from... Or nail. disappeared. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like 
so, so much destruction for single piece of yeah, okay. evidence that could maybe uh, be timed but then my my friend Gisli said that time isn't really relevant in terms of archaeology you would never have to use dates really you could just place all the object on this uh, chart you mean? yeah just you uh-huh. know have them lined yeah just have them lined up and when you think about the amount of plastics and what we're trying to do with very feeble attempts to try to you know um, recycle it and when you think about recycling it gets just really impossible in terms of like the amount of plastic that there is in the universe and the floating plastic islands and then yeah but it, that becomes a new resource again and then you start harvesting and reusing again so that it also becomes a part of nature like all these small yeah, yeah. fragments of plastic yeah. where humans are adding yeah. to the elements of nature. Yeah. The, the, the good thing about the plastic is that we really become aware of of how everything is tied together and our direct influence on when mm. you see the floating plastic mm. islands in the ocean and all well, the, the thing turtles is, and fish tangled up in there and the beer can plastics. Well, that stuff. that's one side of the plastic story. But the real plastic story, because of the sea, that it meshes it up in so small, small Particle. parts you don't see them anymore. Even. Exactly, it's and that's the pro- and that's the problem with the harvesting of that is that you kind of fish everything else out there as well. Yeah. And it's not that it's just on the top layer. It's it it goes down as well so but there's been smart ideas of harvesting that stuff as well but it's you know it gets more complex and more complex and it gets more ridiculous in in many ways but um yeah but but go uh let's go back to the preserving part right um uh of course it is important i mean we've been taught that that history is important and that you should know where you come from because you know you won't run into the same mistakes and 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 uh, uh, still we do right mm. so so we don't learn that well from history so so uh, but if you look at the world I mean it it is in many ways a lot nicer than it was you know ever before I mean I think so uh, for the most part yes I mean we're we're seven billion people living reasonably well together I mean there's some conflicts but you know we're we're talking people who die in this country we talk you know, a million a year yeah. on a billion. I have a much grimmer um, yeah, view if, on the on the world today. <laughs> but if you think uh, when Genghis Khan was running around, right? There was these explorers who came and saw this beautiful white mountain. They came close; it was just bones of people. And what these these people did, like Genghis Khan, I think killed. I mean, there's estimates of seventy million mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And this was on horseback with <laughs> bows and arrows. swords. Yeah, this this wasn't like World War Two where they used like you know industrialized killing machines. So so you know, and you knew when somebody was knocking on your village in that time, you were toast. You know, and mm-hmm. now if somebody knocks on your village, you know they want to sell you something or they want to do trade with you. They want to see the, They want to see the Northern Light. Oh, and, God. and you know, and it depends. That totally depends on where you live. Of course, of course. We are so privileged. Yeah, of, co- of course, of course. Where seeing it from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't say I don't say the world is a, is a, is you know free of all. I'm just com- making a mm. comparison. You know? And mm. as again, you know, I'm I'm just a novice at everything, so I'm just. Because when we talk about talking. all this information that people has to nature, like yeah, I, I told you some days ago, I read this word. Uh, what's it called? What's, what was it? 
anthro- anthropo- anthropology. Anthropogenic. Anthropo- yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anthropogenic. 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 Like the human. Yeah, time anthropology. Yeah, yeah, because this, because we are leaving such big marks in, in nature. Yeah. Will never go away. Yeah. The people like it. Yeah. Are influencing so much. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, that's why... And we, we can't really know anymore if we are smart or not because of this. No, we're not smart. That's for sure. That's one thing that is sure. We're not smart. We're, we're not... Are we developing or are we... But that's the thing, you know, in the worst case scenario, we all die. That's yeah, yeah, it. no, I mean, we will destroy the Earth. But is this a better time than other times? <laughs> hey, you know... He's an optimist. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a pessimist. <laughs> you, <laughs> no... You are a pessimistic optimist, now an optimistic pessimist. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, uh, the thing is, even though, I mean, there's terrible things happening in the world and there's terrible places to live, but I think all in all, I mean, we're, yeah, well. we're, we're, we're living reasonably safe and reasonably well. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's, that's, that, you know that we that everything is fine. You know, on the contrary, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a lot to be improved, absolutely. But uh, yeah, there always will. But so yeah, or 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 we or, just or cease to exist, and then all problems end. At least our human problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is uh, humans. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with the earth? It got it got humans. It got infected yeah. by with humans. humans. Yeah. But uh, you know, and but the Earth is a, is a very good teaching tool for us humans you know, to to figure out what it means to be alive. But and that also it doesn't really um, it doesn't uh, when you were talking about history is about you know losing, isn't mm-hmm. losing also then forgetting or like the loss of something, loss of like yeah. knowledge, loss of. Yeah, we we derailed from the from what we were talking about earlier <laughs> about the you know this endless collecting and having having stuff and having this external memory. You know that's what it is. Yeah, you know, that's what museums collections are. It's an external memory. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 uh, uh, you save physical objects. You know, as you see behind you, I still have you know I have a cassette player. I got my cassettes down there. I got records. VHS I got VHS tapes here. Oh, VHS, sorry. Yeah. I have that even. I got DVDs. I got so I got all kinds of media's which are almost extinct already, right? Because who who has them anymore? You know, some people play records because, you know, but that is a very small number. Cassettes. I you know maybe some cars here and there still have a cassette deck. Yeah. You know where you have two cassettes which you play now and again. Yeah. You know, but other than that, it's extinct. You know that also disappears. Well, it's really yeah? good that you're keeping. Because they're going to be very valuable. They're yeah. yeah. documents, yeah. For me, they're documents in time because they're documents you know? of like best of the nineties. You've got like clueless. Yes. Boys like in the hood on top yes. of there. The doors on Scar-face. top of there. <laughs> and uh, those are classics. Yeah. But so you can. This is not outdated. This is classical. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it will. Be, uh, um, in a sense, yes, but it uh, by um, uh, by acquiring so much uh, databases or something. Mm-hmm. Right? In the end, y- what you do is maintaining your databases, and you and you forget how to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, you forget how what to do with it because you have so much information. 
this is the problem also we have with the internet. You have so much information that all information be somehow becomes, you know, just information. You know, yeah. It doesn't. It uh, somehow it drains it of of meaning if you have too much mm. of it. This yeah. is special anymore. Yeah. yeah. And archaeology and also um, sacred history. Just you know the, the the study of history. It becomes about you know what you wrote on your Facebook yesterday and. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is that, everything is like collected somewhere, it mm-hmm. exists there on your Facebook book. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way that you can read through like your own personal history yeah. going through your war since yeah. 2007 or whenever Facebook started. Wasn't it earlier? Well, I, I was on MySpace until 2007. MySpace, I never got there. That, yeah, that was <laughs> and, I mean, my 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 friends like they they met on MySpace who are getting married next yeah. year, and I mean, it was way before Tinder and all it, this. It's stuff. funny you say they met on MySpace. Yeah, you know they didn't meet on MySpace. They had contact on MySpace, but they didn't meet. They meet afterwards, right? Right, but, but they, that's all. That's but that's also how the that's new how way of meeting. First it's also yeah, 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 but I know what you're saying. You know, I'm I'm just being pedantic here. Yeah. but it's it's it's. Uh, it's know, like this uh, computer language. Should we meet IRL mm. in real life? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's it a different way of meeting. Yeah. I just learned what DTF means the other day. What's that? DTF? DTF. Uh, I will leave that to the listeners. They probably know. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I think that's good that you don't know. Mm. Now I'm really curious. <laughs> I will tell you later. <laughs> Mm, we'll find out later mm. and then people have something to do to google <laughs> it yeah. no but so so all this and what you were saying earlier well, do we have to keep every mail you know for these archaeologists archaeologists do know? we have, keep, have to keep every single plastic object yeah and and what is the yeah um could uh, we not keep that if we keep more other stuff in the exactly like yeah because that's the thing it becomes too hierarchy and value of mm. object and that's like a really big yeah. Arena that that's difficult to move, maneuver in, but I think but it's uh, if you if you look at it like really, it archaeology today is about you know analyzing plastic remains, and this is just you know the tip. It's mm-hmm. not even like a fraction of your little toe's fingernail. Mm-hmm. What is to come? It's it's kind of like uh, it's what's more than abundant. What is you know, like you can't, you can't fathom the fact that there are three hundred thirty thousand people living in Iceland. Can you imagine? I think it's so little. You know, I can't. Yeah, I, that's I, the problem. I can't imagine it. That's the problem. I know, <laughs> I, and I can't yeah. imagine the opposite or like the. I think. I think with me, it it tips at a million people. That are that's where where it starts to be a lot. Yeah, that's maybe. But yeah. then then you know. Like really a lot, you you're talking about fifty, yeah. sixty million. Then then you're talking about the complexity, yeah. which is starting to get interesting. And that makes sense, uh, considering where you're from, considering where I'm from. I I uh, I was I went to the Golden Circle the other day with my friend, and we were able to. The Golden Circle. The Golden Circle is is Althingi where the Parliament was. It was the it's where the two Titanic plates were moving yeah, apart. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. and it, it's like really it's, it's not a canyon but it's a mm. it's a crack in the earth and uh, it's really beautiful um geothermal active area and uh, it's that place and then uh, the the geysers where the hot water surfaces from the earth with a big splash mm. now they're mostly ruined those geysers and then Gullfoss or like the golden waterfall which is really huge massive powerful mm. waterfall and it has like the 50 centimeter high Fence, rope yeah. so you can fall over it into the water well if if you really want to yes that's not the problem it's 50 centimeters just knee high so you're gonna yeah i want that too and, and during the winter it's it's not a good idea to go there because there's yeah. a really steep slope and then just and that's it yes yeah. but uh, we went there and there there were a couple of tourist buses or actually quite few tourist buses uh, in Althingi. it was quite late during the day and the sun came down around four o'clock then and uh, we were able to see one of like Strokkur the the second largest geyser who kind of like like uh, deflated deflated very like poorly some water and I remember just five years ago where it was actually like five six seven meters high stroke you know yeah. coming yeah. up now it was maybe one and a half meter yeah. it was really weak it was pathetic yeah. and then uh, we just managed to see uh, the waterfall right when the sun came down but there was no one there yeah. it was totally empty and we came up to it and we just saw it like disappear and and uh, we were the only people there and that you can still like experience this moments where mm. like no one else is around maybe because it was really dark and you couldn't see the thing but mm. then you could also feel the thing and yeah. what was in front of you and that yeah. was really really yeah. amazing but this this like this nature experience i didn't have that before i moved to norway i'm really visiting that i never uh, had it I, I remember the first time i was standing somewhere in the mountains and i couldn't see any other roads i couldn't see any houses there was just nature around on all sides and mm-hmm. you know and i you know i could imagine it before i went but it was it kind of struck me when i was there like oh wow i've never been in a situation like this before and this situation will be rarer and rarer. And, and, and also, yeah. uh, like you had that when you came here, and uh, I also have a lot of that from north of Norway, but mm. when I went to Iceland, it seemed to be even more of that. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you not be affected by this mm. sublime, enormous nature? Like, it's a... And, it's, and first of all, it looks like a different planet. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a lot it's more dramatic so, also yeah, because of the volcanic active activeness, all the, the the plates pulling apart, and you know, there's there's a lot of force visible in in, in Iceland. Do you think that the, but is this affecting uh, artists? Uh, we we hear that sometimes about Norway that oh you're just uh, so into nature and uh, mm. that kind of thing, but is yeah. it even more of that in Iceland? Yes, I mean. I, I think nature landscape and ideas of nature and landscape and places it's a very common theme theme amongst many artists artists that's one of the and things why wouldn't it be yeah exactly but that's one of the things that kind of like pulled me away from it mm. yeah um, that's also it, it can also become uh, somewhat of a curse somewhat too much. of a yeah that's what I felt when I started studying in Glasgow and I did my best trying to pull 
mm. away from it, but mm. then it's kind of, you know, innate and you just have to embrace it and yeah. accept it. But uh, there are so many places that you can go and you can feel totally off the map and you yeah. are just existing somewhere in this place and there's no one else around you. Um, and I'm, I feel like extremely lucky that I, I can experience that like where I live and uh, I can just jump in my car and I can drive around and I can be somewhere where there's nothing apart from landscape. That's really like... It's a privilege. Except the car you brought. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> if you have your back need, against that. <laughs> I, I kind of need that. That's like yeah. that's my studio actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I just one thing that I have to say that like mm. uh, I remember because I think Roni Horn, because he's such a huge name on the international art scale and sees worked a lot in Iceland. She said sometimes that like, oh Iceland, it's my it's my studio. Yeah. And now I'm making a face, but <laughs> like I would go to Africa or not even like you know talk about Africa as a country in itself, but like oh like Rwanda, Rwanda is my studio yeah. or something yeah. like that. I think there's a certain arrogance that follows in that notion, like in terms of ownership, but. But for example, yeah, but isn't it, isn't it also a, 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 I say a love declaration much more than ownership? Is it? I think she probably meant it like that, but it came across, yeah. or maybe like my interpretation of it was, well, extremely arrogant. But she has she has tackled the the difficulties of of trying to portray, you know, the landscape mm. extremely well. That's mm. what she's done, and mm. it's kind of a love-hate relationship with her at all times. Yes, yes. Well, of course, because she comes from outside and and takes uh, your country away in that sense. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah. My uh, country, yes. Yeah. She's just a tourist. No, she's not. She's, <laughs> she stayed there a lot, uh, a lot. She's probably she's she's traveled many places, and she's yeah. Mm. But I remember I was thinking a lot about. <laughs> no, I just I just brought it up. To, to maybe touch on where maybe that conflict comes from this this yes. internal dialogue of hey who are you to say that this is my studio <laughs> you know this is our studio and you know and many of the works that she's done other artists have done you know as well like it's the yeah. same topic but yeah. brought maybe differently yeah. um, together yeah. um but no, she like, has the advantages of the outside eye which which uh, which is a really an mm. advantage but also um you just have to she was driving a lot around Iceland on a motorcycle and uh, staying there really soon after she graduated from uh, Long Island, I can't remember where she studied. Mm. Um, but like other amazing Icelandic artists who have done really, like really amazing work with the landscape and nature, like Birgir Andrésson, Kristine Hrabsson, Katrín Sigurðardóttir, Ragnar Óbertsdóttir, Ivar Valkarsson, Sigurður Guðmundsson, when he did his situation photography series. I mean, he's he used to study and live in Holland for a large part of his time. There's uh, 60 million people there. <laughs> exactly. 
and then this one Iceland did it too. You should definitely know. The list goes on of yeah. like extreme predecessors yeah. who yeah, like yeah. really know what they're doing. And yeah. so, so it gets harder and harder also for each generation to to tackle that because yeah, to bring something new into life. Yeah. I mean, that's that's impossible. Mm. Just in general, I think, but like it, it you are so aware um, of this aspect in terms of you know in Icelandic art, maybe as you are as well aware of the the great you know Dutch painters. I don't know if you are like painting. Hmm. I I I disregard the Dutch painters completely. I, I love them, but I it's not something I badly. Okay. They're long dead. I, I, Those I, people are still very much alive and kicking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, no, I don't have any monk cross to bear like the Norwegians have. <laughs> <laughs> the Scandinavian pain that's just chronicle yeah. disease in uh, this art scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so the Nordic so guilt, <laughs> yeah. which I'm not aware of at all, but but yeah. uh, um, it's also and like my plan is also to like travel more in Scotland and see. Because like there, there's some pretty amazing places there as well. Some yes, there's yeah. a weird kind of nature there. Yeah, really green, green mm. hills. Yeah. yeah, that's what I imagine as well. From, yeah. from just hearing yeah. about yeah. lots of green hills. Yeah. I've well, never, I've never been there, so I, I, as I said, I can only talk about hearsay again. Yeah, well, I think the the landscape and the nature in Britain in general is it's really romantic if you think about just. Like the romantic area, like William Wordsworth, sweet and hills and Jane small Austen. trees, and yeah, Wuthering Heights. Yeah. I mean, it's all very like very dramatic. And then when you go further and further up north, you get more um, harsh, really rugged, rude, yeah, yeah. yeah, rugged mm. landscape. Mm. Um, but then when I I went to Lands End, which is the the westest point of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And it's called Land's End. I mean, that's a really kind of dramatic name of a place. Yeah, it sounds like Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it it really it really feels like the Land's End, but you have to walk through this gate, and what what faces you is a donut shop and a <laughs> cinema and uh, like these candy stores and uh, really weird kind of art. You know. it's, it's funny that you mentioned it because. Um, my experience with Land's End was in Los Angeles, where I walked on a pier, and there was a like a milkshake uh, place, place, hamburger exactly. place. This is this is where they are. They like you go into a jungle <laughs> and there's a Coke machine. <laughs> as soon as you're at the end of the world, there's a donut shop or something similar. I think that it really it it really st- like uh, it, I, I I I still don't know what to say. No. And huh. and then you walked through all of this really horrible western weird thing stuff that you don't really even s- anyway and uh, you see this uh, restaurant that's really fancy and that's nice and then you actually see what they mean with lunch and and then it's just a 180 degree view of like an open ocean and you can see the you know skilly island somewhere mm. and it's just beautiful yeah and uh, when i'm traveling often like um with other people, I take these uh, these photographic series um, portraying the wanderer, 
by Kasper David Fieger. Yeah, I, I know him very well. I did a project with him uh, last year. You did a project with him? With him, yes. <laughs> you and him. Yes. No, I, I was I was part of this um, residency, um, uh, which we called Das Nebelmeer. Mm. We did... Uh, where he's painting sculpture. That's where he's painting sculpture, yes. And where we dealt with Kasper David Friedrich, the Wanderer, the painting, actually. And, and, right. and uh, so there was a, uh, a choreographer, and uh, so she has a th- uh, three... Um, three chapters mm-hmm. so I was part of a second so now the last one uh, Rolf Käppchen the Red Riding Hood was the last one now so we did uh, so she was going through the romanticism in, in the last so I was part of that one so I was I was brought in as the visual artist to to see if we could kind of stretch some kind of uh, uh, this notion between dance and, and visual art and, and this romantic uh, thing it was awesome <laughs> thanks but uh, so so yeah so so we we dealt with that uh, for four months very intensively or a bit longer actually because we worked before and so you know him very well I know him very well yes yes yeah mm. yeah it's it's uh, yeah my my dad he he really loves this series so if I'm traveling with my family my my dad said oh this is a Casper David Friedrich moment. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and takes the camera up and wants to take a photo so he's kind of taking care of this work yeah. did you have some kind of this photo of yourself on facebook yeah yeah yeah, probably. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really nice <laughs> no i i uh, i photoshopped uh, long red hair onto the wanderer yeah all right yeah that's what i did yes yeah you have it uh, yeah but I was thinking about Lunds End and all the many Lunds End. We have a we have a Lunds End up west where, but it's not called Lunds End. It's called Lautrabjerg and it's the westest point of Iceland. And there's just this lighthouse. You have to drive over a really rugged mountain, um, and it and the road is just made of small paddles, like stone stone gravel. road, yeah, gravel road, and. Uh, you have to walk up on this hill and it's so steep it's so dangerous and like last summer a german <laughs> tourist fell off it and he mm. was never discovered and yeah. Not, yeah and uh, it really feels like the land's end but i just can't imagine because when we were there last i can't time, imagine a donut shop there i i really <laughs> i mean a, a really great artist Karver, uh, he's called he did he did this art project in the lighthouse where he uh, served puffin pizza. Yeah. Wow! That I think I mean I I and we we started up thinking that we were going to do an art project there, but then we kept on thinking about the puffin pizza and it was really difficult. Was <laughs> yeah, but they're I've so they're so friendly and they're so not bothered with humans and they're just walking almost around you and. It was uh, me, Birke, and Eva just lying on, on the the sill, and it was just you know. Really, really long fall down, but it was really still and beautiful, and we were on safe grounds, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, and just. You know, just being able to listen to the birds and, looking at the Snæfell circuit, down. You know, facing south. Okay, no. 
Oh no, that's no. that's the glacier in the glacier. Jules Verne novel Journey to the Center of the Earth, where the yeah, yeah. where the entrance of the center is where located. Your is from. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's this maze in Iceland. Yeah, where you're walking around. In the... I haven't seen it, but you you described I it. I told to me. you yes. about it. Yeah. I get really visibly lost in it, and it's kind of painful watching it because mm. when you first see the maze, it it looks like it has a really arbitrary size to it. You can't really imagine what the scale is. Yeah. But then you see this person walking into it, and it's tiny. Yeah. And then it it all depends on like the devotion, but I I was determined to to walk to the center and yeah. then back, and yeah. I thought it would be really obvious, like easy, because I could see. The maze, I could mm. see like how it was, yeah. but then I got totally lost, yeah. and I really lost, and I had I walked into dead ends like several times, and I, once I thought I was already, you know, coming to the center, but then it mm. was a dead end right next to the center, so I had to go back, and and then I almost fall into it, and the path is really narrow, so you have to. I really like the part of the video where you actually see that you are struggling, you are you don't really know when you have to decide. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And I but go there, I try to go there every season because the the colors really change. And uh, I cut out the glacier and like the national park because it's a When big... was the video? Was that in uh, this is autumn? In, no, this is in March. Okay. Mm. March 2013. It looks like autumn to me when I look at the colors of the place. Oh, yeah. But Iceland has so weird colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And it changes. It it looks completely different in the winter. I was there when there was no snow on the ground. Yeah. And then the colors are really faded and gray. Yeah. And there's like no contrast. Yeah. At all in the, in what is right in front of you. Hmm. But, uh, for example, Roni Horn see see writes about this maze. Like yeah. she knows of its existence, but she doesn't know where it is. Yeah. And uh, she talks about it. In relation to the to the glacier, yeah, with the with the uh, re- referencing the novel, first sci-fi novel, Journey to the Center of the Earth. So that's why you edited the glacier out. Mm, no, I just wanted to have this kind of open feel to it and uh, allow for this bit of time before where the maze had this unknown size to it. Yeah. I think that's quite quite. Quite nice that you edit the landscape out. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've heard anybody do that. Uh, probably people have done it, but I've never. Well, this is the first mm. time I hear somebody. Well, it gets it. a bit, you know, too extravagant when you have too much of it. <laughs> a large lava field. Yeah. No, you have a maze, yeah. a large lava field, and then a massive glacier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. a little bit too much. <laughs> That's way too much. <laughs> oh, that is so Not cool. Yeah, that's that, that that was what we were referring to. Yeah, it's it's you know, I mean, it's an overkill. You have so much that yeah, but um, you talk about these these moments where you you encounter like the world's end or or these kind of things and and you know they're tainted by by humans and stuff like that. But uh, I was just talking to uh, a Japanese uh, guy Tokos the mm-hmm. other day, and he's from Tokyo. And he he gets anxious when he gets into nature. He can't deal with nature. Yeah, Uh, I can imagine that I would feel completely anxious if I would go to Tokyo. Mm. And so this is interesting, also kind of uh, uh, 
Yeah, yeah because what, what you are experiencing, mo- experiencing the most will be your nature. Yeah. yeah but then but we have so many Japanese uh, tourists and travelers like coming. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, I, personally, I have a theory <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter where you're born or lived or grew up. I think most of us are born with a default where we feel more comfortable. Yeah. So, so. Um, so, if you are born in nature, you would, and you feel comfortable no, elsewhere. No, no. I mean, you can be born in nature, and you, you, you feel more comfortable in Tokyo, so to say. Mm-hmm. That can be quite, quite opposite. And you, know, I, I live, I live both like in the countryside and in cities and stuff like that. And I, I can deal with both, but I, I like, I like nature a lot better. Mm-hmm. And you just, and I don't, I don't. Uh, uh, the the thing I like about nature because it's easier to think there. So I'm not so addicted to like the dramaticness of it or of the of the you know the the uh, absoluteness of it or, or the grandness of it. You know, it's more because that becomes mundane after a while. Yeah, like of course. You, you just get used to it. Yeah. Like I I started in Edinburgh and when I first moved there, I was just in total awe of yeah. the city, how beautiful it was. Yeah. And then, like, I stopped seeing it for a while, and then when I visited it, like, yeah. again, a couple of years later, it was, oh my god, amazing! Like, mm. I feel like I'm in bloody Hogwarts, you yeah. know, Harry yeah. Potter and blah, all, yeah. all of this stuff that yeah. came back, like, this gothic vomit everywhere, love yeah. it. But, uh, I think what you said about the, the calm, like, sometimes I feel like I, I, <laughs> I can't think, like, a whole thing thought a clear thought unless i'm up on a mountain somewhere yeah. i mean if that was actually the case then you know i would be pretty screwed yes but that's what i think yeah. i think i think that i think the best well and the it's, thing it's is where this... you charge your like batteries because yeah. when i think one of the things if i just briefly talk about this uh, art project in westwards yeah. places like the idea behind that was to just have this kind of community of artists where we <coughs> have a house somewhere in the Westwood. It doesn't have to be, you know, the same place as last year, which mm-hmm. was an old whaling station that was now in ruins. And we stayed yeah. in a fairly new, moderate plas- plastic house that mm-hmm. was built there because the old house burned down. Yeah. But it was uh, on the other side of this fjord. Plas- so plastic house. It was kind of a plastic house, oh, yeah, yeah. A dollhouse. They can excavate that in a couple of years. And there was just a gravel road half an hour, like, way to, or like 45 minutes to drive to the next town. And it was a hassle to, you know, go and, you know, take a bath by just swimming in the next village. But there was so much calmness, nothingness, no electricity, no mm-hmm. phone connection, no nothing. Like, we went seas, we went to the sea in the mm-hmm. mornings to, like, uh, clean ourselves or, like, yeah, wash. Kind of wash. I don't know if mm. if we were ever clean there, but uh, well, we went swimming a lot. But and the uh, salt water, the sea. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the the sea is really cold there. Yeah. So it's you, you you get you know a shock when you first <laughs> go to the sea, yeah. or, or that's what I did. But uh, then then your muscles. Your muscle memory starts reacting yeah. differently, but uh, yeah. but it was something about just being there and having this time and just 
you know, having a dialogue. And during the day, we worked, we were working on projects. And then in the morning and uh, evenings, we had breakfast and, and dinner. And that was a really productive time for everyone involved. And uh, all the artists uh, did really like large scale projects that mm. became very visible in Reykjavik mm. the following uh, autumn and winter and now spring. Mm. So we're continuing with that, and I feel like that is something that is needed more. Yeah, a place to, to think, yeah. And, and work, and just yeah. be, and, and exist together and have this dialogue that, that mm. like, it comes back and back to you, and it feels like you are just charging your solar batteries in a way, yeah. because <laughs> then the winter you have four or five hours of uh, sunlight yeah. at the worst, and the... Uh, you you know that like in six months or so, summer's gonna come and you're gonna go up west. <laughs> six again. months or so. <laughs> well, it's fine. Time 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 passes really faster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I think about that and I can't wait to go back uh, west this summer. Hmm. Yeah. No, I I the other the other because whenever you're in a in a city or in a more crowded area, you know you. You're not only dealing with your own thoughts; you're also dealing with everybody else's thoughts around you, and all the noise from from all the media's, from your phones, from your television, radios, uh, uh, advertising, uh, just general bus. energy buzz. What what's happening? And um, it's very hard to shield yourself from that. I mean, I enjoy really working in the evenings and night because just because of that, because then people sit and vegetate in front of TVs and stuff, <laughs> so they don't think that many thoughts. But uh, uh, yeah, or or I can really think well when I'm watching a play, like a like an actual play, or if you you are on a concert, I can think very well because then your most of your attention is focused on something, and you have just enough for one more thought. That's interesting. And and you don't have room yeah. for the ten thoughts you normally mm-hmm. have. Yeah. So it's it's a lot easier to to focus on to come up with the, I yeah. experienced that during lectures which is really bad yeah, because the then, same, I, the same, yeah, yeah. Then, then my focus goes away yeah. from the really interesting thing that's that are being said and it goes somewhere else but it's ignited because of what yeah. the lecture is saying yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's just the it's the ad, what you call it atia hautia which is a very common like uh, attention disorder I also have a lot of that in uh, yeah. different kinds of ways I think I think everybody has that. Yeah, definitely. I think I, that's on the only way how you can survive in this mad world. Mm. But uh, uh, no, but, so there are strategies to to uh, how I say clarify your thinking within the bus as well. But mm-hmm. you have to be very aware and, in a certain sense, disciplined in it. Mm-hmm. While in nature, you don't, you know, you you know, when we go up in the mountains, uh, you know, it's it's fantastic. But I get the best work done the first two or three days because after that I get into this lazy mode when yeah. you're somewhere else yeah. in the mountains by in nature the mountains. Like where there's yeah but isn't there. that also about just change like if you lived in, in nature all your life you would feel like you could finally think if you got somewhere that you yeah that you feel connected more, to the yeah, thoughts yeah, like and yeah, yeah sure for sure yeah but um, but that's the problem now you know there's very few people who grow up you know, very deserted, you know, mm. or there's, mm. there's, especially now with, with, of course, in, you know, at least in the Western world, the connection to, to the internet and to the media and stuff like that. So you have an 
an information channel always open mm-hmm. you know and that is that is uh, I, th- I think we are the last generation who who got a bit of the of the of the old world where you know I grew up without cell phones or, or now or internet is a human right yeah right I mean like internet it's a human you would think what internet is not even even i mean the internet is of course since the 60s but that it got big was 96 that it really started to be mainstream 96 was around the time 95 96 when it came up that's 10 years ago no was it right 20 years ago 20 years yeah is it 20 years i'm getting old but it's 20 years ago but that's not not very long right yeah that's not very long and we're the computer generation, definitely. But I, I like, I remember when phones were only fun because I, I had Nokia for a really, I really wish I had that phone still because that's still the best phone I ever had, <laughs> where you just played Snake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you can get Snake on your phone as well. On my iPhone. Of course. Really. Why not? Yeah, like I haven't uh, checked it out, but I definitely <laughs> will now. Retro Snake. <laughs> like, of course. Download the app. Yeah. Oh. <coughs> and otherwise, you can almost program it yourself. Yeah, I remember when phone. it was embarrassing when your phone rang and you had to go around the corner just to, because it was so embarrassing to like, yeah. talk on the phone on the street. Yeah. I, I got a phone when I started studying. A mobile phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. It's fine. I thought it was great. Right. It fitted I got, my life. I was a teenager, I think. After confirmation, fourteen years old or something. Oh yeah. But there's yeah, something. Yeah, me too. I was nineteen. But then, like, I think what what's happening? But you're a bit older, so it was the same time. Probably yeah. yeah. Ninety ninety nine. Yeah. Mm. Fourteen. Yeah. Um. I read this, uh, some stuff on the internet, of course, that um. That like children today, they've become like more immune towards you know what effect words can have directly because they're just so involved Mm. in their iPhones and they allow themselves so much more if they're on Facebook, Twitter or any kind of social media because they don't have to see their own like the effects their words have on the person that they're talking to Mm. so like the the used to words differently yeah but they're also getting colder yeah, mm. it's 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 not. Uh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for. Less empathetic or empathetic. Totally, mm. Mm. and that's I think that's you don't extremely see the emotional reactions. No, and I think that's really creepy. That like the next yeah. generations to come, they're going to be even less empathetic than you know the people we have around I, us t- I, I don't, today. I don't worry too much about it. I worry <laughs> about. I don't have any children, but I'm not going to allow my children to have. Children in my future, in the future, if I have any to have iPhones, I think. Listen, children in the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she tells it now, but she's gonna change her mind. No way. Like I think, I think that you know. This kind of you have so many layers in front of you mm. when you're like working on the phone and like people completely close off mm. from the universe, and you can see like people at the party and some people are having a good time talking together and engaging and and others are yeah yeah yeah. because they're talking to some other people instead of the people that are right Mm. in front i mean it it gets it really crosses a line at some point i think and i i but don't you think that's a temporary thing i mean where where because it's a hype now now it's like still relatively new 
it's it's all very fresh and people you know i mean i, I notice it i get more bored with my phone and i i actually got strict also because i uh, you know i got a kid a couple years ago and so i try not to be in my phone uh, when i'm around him mm-hmm. you know? and uh, that doesn't always work like you know uh, today i was working on a computer all the time because i you know i was home with a sick child and you know i had to do some work you know mm-hmm. i couldn't do and then in between i engage with him but still in a in a screen right i'm mm-hmm. in a virtual world and he knows that and and uh, for the kids now they have always seen people work like that so it's not yeah of course them. but but still you give a message you know when you're in yeah, your yeah, phone of course, of course. okay because uh, uh, your your kid doesn't know that your kid is wanting your attention mm-hmm. and what the kid is learning oh your phone is more important than me mm-hmm. yeah and which is the case in many many cases right yeah and and of course that you have to be careful with that uh, uh, yeah but you know luckily the world is not so simplistic it's a bit more complex than that so i think you know the, there will definitely will be effects but they will be watered down because of other movements in 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 our behavior as well I just got an iPhone 6 and uh, like it's amazing. I've never had an iPhone before, I have to admit. I really, really, really like it. But the phone I had before was, uh, I've, I've had like uh, my dad's old phones since yeah. the past 10 years yeah. and uh, it was getting embarrassing like how badly I was maneuvering myself professionally, talking to other directors or something on a speaker in the supermarket. In the meat department, mm-hmm. you know that's that that happened maybe once or twice, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, yeah, you don't need an iPhone really. No. You 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 could have an Nokia phone or yeah, but it's but, always like being connected, being able yeah. to reply to emails instantly and blah blah. Yeah. It, it's funny how we go mm-hmm. into like yeah. such a big topic. But uh, but that's that. <laughs> That, you know that is also about self-control because you, you can set up your rules like like uh, uh, for me I use the social media as only for you know, like the my, my Instagram I use for for only for art you know for the and for the podcast the same with the Twitter account I you know I just send links of stuff I find art related mm-hmm. or I you know I, I tell something about the podcast and the mm-hmm. Facebook is well, I, Facebook I hardly use, and if I use, I only use it for it. And I've Facebook done that since. Facebook is coming outdated now. It's, it's, it's becoming more and more. It was it, outdated five years ago. Yeah, and well, use it. I think people are more aware that it becomes this kind of very um, a direct diary of your life, and people are aren't so comfortable with that mm. anymore, mm. which is a really positive elevation, I think, because it can be. Yeah, what is it's also backlash of of you know that that. Finally, it was out in the open that you know huge uh, organizations where you have no control over are collecting your data and you don't know what they're going to do with it. Yeah, right? and you don't know what. I mean, wh- why would they find it interesting what you post, what you had for, you know, lunch? I I don't know. Well, they they see what you like to eat, so they can bombard you with specific advertising yeah. for that. I have a way of like just ignoring every single advertisement that comes yeah. across. Yeah. But then on you one level, yes. This. On one level, yes. Yeah. And on and other levels, no. On one level, you will have seen this product before. Wait, you see it again. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. So and it is also about kind of if there, you're yeah. if you're in a supermarket, if you choose about you know between two brands. You have to choose. So you don't have time to think. <laughs> you will do something. Yeah. But mm. then you can use this as like a pun, as a joke. Like now, when I go abroad, because we don't have any McDonald's in Iceland, 
what I do when I go abroad is I go to McDonald's and I kind of checked in and it first started as an accident in Vienna yeah like the first thing that you checked in was on McDonald's on like the 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 high street in Vienna you checked and you just went in I checked in like by um I went online yeah on the McDonald's internet yeah so it came up on my wall that I was in Johannesstrasse at McDonald's and then all of a sudden like 15 people had liked that, <laughs> so it became a thing. Wow, confusing. And trip to Vienna. Yeah. I, I went to Vienna and I went to McDonald's, of course I did. Yeah. McDonald's is great, too. And <laughs> <laughs> it's great because we don't have it in Iceland, but yeah, you yeah, can yeah. allow yourself that once a year, maybe. But, you know, now it's become this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. It's, uh, uh, what you said, you know, the, the the control you have over your information, and also kind of what information gets uh, uh, curated and whatnot, right? And and you know, your 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 McDonald's experience suddenly gets a higher status than it actually has, right? Mm. Because uh, 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 yeah. yeah. Now it's obvious that we're twenty. Are you opening the the other bottle? Yeah. Over. Pour it in. I yeah, I just feel sorry that I couldn't have a sip too. It's maybe helpful. Uh, where were we? McDonald's, but McDonald's. maybe we shouldn't talk about that much. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. It's like opening floodgates of really like relevant global problems and topics here, and then just well, the 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 thing is, you know, jumping I mean, along. The the truth is. Yeah, these these major corporations, you know, have a big part of the key of changing this uh, this globe to the better or the worse, mm. because they control so many assets and so many so many. Uh, I say, they have a large footprint. Yes, but I think most people choose to ignore that fact. No, most people choose, and and we cho we cho- we we are cho- uh, <laughs> We are cho- choosing these big corporations, right? I mean, if you're gonna buy a phone, you buy an iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you do a search, you use Google, yeah. or or mm-hmm. yeah. If you're um, if you're using a computer, you either use a you know. Are you a Mac person or a PC? Uh, I am. Uh, uh, I I have used um, PC most, but uh, in the end they're they're both limited. So I'm neither. But uh, I I like the Windows a bit better because it it doesn't want to own you as much as the Apple ones. Uh, but uh, you know, other than that, I don't have any beef with with any of them. And but. Uh, uh, they do what they're supposed to do. Or they like do what we, yeah. As I said, you get what you choose. Yeah. And we are choosing this uh, with e- each and everything we do. We we do. Because we were affected by advertising. Uh, sure, sure, sure. But uh, then again, you say you know I'm also ignoring advertising. You know, I've been doing that since I'm a kid. Yeah, but are you really? It doesn't affect uh, us on a subliminal level. I'm always impressed by how advertising, advertising works. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but there's two things, right? I mean, advertising works on me as well if I want something, you know, like if I want to have a new tool, you know, sure, I'm going to look around and, 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 you know, I'm going to, and, you know, if I think one tool is nicer, even though it might not even better, but I just like it better, I'll get that one. And, and so as soon as you want something, you know, advertising has a role. You know, it's not. It's yeah, not. But the... what if you're going to get something that you don't normally want, and you just think about the but how first th- thing that you associated well, with? You can that cate- would be something. You can categorize it as well, right? I mean, there's there's a certain amount of, of 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 income you have which you can spend, right? Most of the part goes just on your regular bills, whatever, and then you have some disposable income, as we said, right? And. Uh, um, of course, you can go go, to, go down the drain that you're gonna just buy, you know, the American way where you just buy crap for buying crap, you know, where you buy stuff just for buying stuff, you know. Oh, we really needed this the third egg cooker, right? Because I don't know how to cook <laughs> eggs in a pan, right? And we lost the other two because they're somewhere in the big pile of crap we have, right? And uh, of course, if you go down that road where you just need more and more stuff which which do less less and stuff but i mean there's a certain certain things in life uh, certain products in life which makes your life uh, more easy right yeah maybe going uh, back to the source like where when you originally first got the phone uh what, what was your first phone your first computer your first tool i don't know if you're used to working on a mac once you get mac the next time if you yeah. you know Hmm. I don't know. You don't always get what's the best of the time, but what you're used to. Yeah, with, with, with the student discount that yeah, you're yeah. given. Yeah, that's for example. Really important. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's yeah, absolutely. But that that's also, you know, how loyal are you to certain specific things? You know, how loyal are you to a specific car brand, for example? You know, yeah, and, well, and the personality type and all that. Brand yeah, is. of course. You know, and but that's also stuff you can influence, right? Uh, um, how much does your car say about you? My car? Mm. Um, not that much. How long have you had it? A couple of years. Okay. We talked about the basic needs that, that like are really important while driving here. I was complimenting, you know, the fact that there there's a seat warmer, which I yeah. think is really, really nice. Yeah. And the working heater yeah. and the radio. Yeah. And then you were talking about yeah, and then also like the the wind uh, the wipers. The wipers. They have the windscreen to wipers. They have to wear. The, the, that's like really important yeah. factor, but it's 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 also easy to replace them if if it was just them, the blades that were off or something. No, the the motors didn't work. The motor. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it was a bit more. Than, <laughs> that's a more, big problem. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a very healthy problem. What kind uh, of car type is it though? I didn't see. Is it the Toyota Corolla it's, or? It's yeah, some kind of Toyota. You don't know what 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 underbrand it is. I do know, but it's not important. It is important. No, it's not important. It it kind of is important when it's well. It I think it's interesting because when I was buying my first car, I was mainly looking at the Blunt Punteris, which is like a website where you just sell your stuff. Yeah. And uh, I was mainly looking at Toyota Corolla and Suzuki Jimny. Hmm. And uh, those are both uh, cars that really work well in like cities and on mount- like on mountain roads as well. Mm-hmm. They last for a really long time. They're like uh, 
established established brands, but that not fancy enough for like. They're not. They're not. I say st- status symbols, status yes, symbols. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. But now apparently, Suzuki Jimny is some sort of status symbol for like artists, yeah. and my friends mm-hmm. keeps on like hammering about it, like, oh, you got this artist car, and mm. I, I don't know of any other artist that has this kind of car, apart from like w- one or two maybe that that have had their cars for a really long time. But the fact is, is that uh, I know a lot of artists that are actually looking at this type of car. Mm. Why? It's it's a mini jeep. It's kind of funny, weird looking. It's it's not. I think I've driven in one in one of those in the mountains in in Switzerland. Yeah, it's like a fake jeep. It's a four wheel drive. It's it's yeah, small exactly. and crappy, uh, but it kind of keeps on running and it gets you up the hill. Yeah. And my car didn't come up the hill there, but I had a I had a. Volkswagen van before that in military yeah. colors, so I had much more funnier cars than I have now. I mean, the car I have now is the most most boring one in that sense, but it works. And you know, with yeah. a family, you need a working car apparently. Yeah. And but but that's the thing also. I I I, I had a lot of fun cars when I mm-hmm. when I was studying and after that and stuff, but uh, I got so bored with them as well because I think I think uh, yeah, I just got bored with them. My dream car is a Volvo. Like a really terrible, <laughs> terrible dream. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, the old, I mean, I think uh, that would be amazing having like a good old Volvo that just works. Um, that's the one problem. way of measuring cars in in Iceland is to think if they can drive, you know, the center road, which is a gravel road. And you have to drive through rivers and up on mountains, well, mountains or something, <laughs> like glacial rivers. And uh, yeah. I don't think that my car could could do that unless I would put like bigger tires under it or something like that. These tourist uh, this cars that uh, took us around this tourist thing in Iceland, glaciers and stuff. It was so sweet monster sweet. trucks yeah. with the tires this <laughs> yeah. high. Like over a meter, two meters, uh, yeah, yeah. Tires. And when it's they when they came like these huge the rocks, and the car was like just yeah, going going over rolling them, over top, it, top, uh, top. no no problem. Yeah, they so drive them in the city center, and, and they were actually built on Iceland to do exactly this glacier driving the tourists. Yeah, but that's going way too far with it. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, you yeah. just get like you get uh, goosebumps with you know shame. When yeah. you see this kind of car driving <laughs> like on Laugarvegur, that's the, the the high street, yeah. you know, quote, quoting um, down in like the mountain glacier company or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's the car I want. That's my dream. <laughs> well, yeah. you would be able. Um, no, the, the, the truth is, I want to have a flying car. I don't want to have this, this bullshit technology, which is more than 100 years old. I want something. Something more exciting. A flying car. Yeah. Maybe you win. The future remains. Yes. Yes, yeah, I'm still, still waiting. From a future vision that yeah, mean. it's it's one of the crappiest ones. I mean, there a couple companies cars. are building them now, but it, I'm talking about that you, you know, I. I mean, roads is such a waste of 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 real estate. Roads. Yes. If you got three-dimensional space above you, which you can use for transportation, why should you use this pristine earth, which you can do all kinds of beautiful stuff with? Who's that? Is transportation tubes? 
you don't or, tubes or, or tubes is also cars. yeah exactly flying cars or even another means of transportation or tailored transportation or whatever doesn't yeah, matter just don't use the just just you know stop wasting that real estate mm -hmm. if you if you uh, in Nel in the Netherlands you know if you put all the roads together you know in the Netherlands you have like this big man-made island and this would which is quite big uh, uh, well not that big as the Netherlands quite small but it's big you know it's not a small thing if you put all the roads you can tarmac that whole island with it hmm. yeah. it's a lot of real estate mm -hmm. a lot of real estate which goes lost on this this inefficient way of transporting you have it's the guy from the Netherlands thing yes <laughs> I sent out now just a bit because of my uh, attention span but yeah maybe maybe uh maybe we should also call it quits where we're running closer to two and a half hours now so it's uh, that's good but i just want to quote william morris very briefly because he wrote when you think about what the world is made out of it becomes impossible hmm. <laughs> no in the way <laughs> This is a good good ending. Let's let's keep it at that. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll... I was going to talk a lot about that, but yeah, that that's kind of like. I th I think it's a good ending. Yes. Okay. Thank you for for being here. Real Thank pleasure. You for 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 the. Goodbye and thanks for all the fish. Yes, <laughs> I love that quote. It's so long. Yeah. All right. Bye bye.